congratulations on reaching 50 episodes and I hope you have many more. Up the O's and keep calm and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Oi oi and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and my good friend, South Stand chum, bearded legend, Mr. Wow. Paul Levy. Wow. This really is a special episode for you to announce it like that. Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to a monumental, groundbreaking and a first uh, for a podcast on Leighton Orient. It's episode number 50 of the Orient Outlook podcast. And thank you very much indeed for joining us this week. First thanks go to uh, David Dodd and for Karen at the Supporters Club for uh, allowing us to record here. Um, thank you very much. Um, really is a great, great, it means a great deal to, to both of us because usually it's just in one of our, our homes sat around a little table with uh, a little microphone and, uh, and just us rambling on. But uh, this week we are pleased to be at the home of football. Big time. So thanks for joining us. As always, start with an update on uh, social media. We're now pushing six, 1,767 Twitter followers. So again, we know there's more of you out there, even the casual. So do spread the word and include at or in Outlook, which is our Twitter address for retweets. We're also on Instagram, which is our, uh, Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. And you can contact us if you're not on social media by standard email. That's Orient Outlook at Outlook.com. So, as part of the episode 50 celebration this evening, we are joined by some special guests to make this an all-star edition of the Iron Outlook podcast. Paul, do you want to do the first guest? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, a guy that needs really, or a man that needs no introduction, sat to my left at the moment, uh, ex Lake Norrance CEO under previous owner Barry Hearn. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matthew Porter. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, chaps. And lady. Uh, and lady, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, thanks for joining us, Matt. Uh, as always, I'm sure everybody knows who you are. Is that a good thing? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to think it is. I really like to think it is. Um, so, from our point of view, you were CEO uh, under under Barry, um, but obviously, since the uh, new acquisition by Mr. Bichetti, that's that's obviously stopped. So, what are you doing now? Uh, well, I still work for Barry. Um, I'm Chief Exec of the Professional Darts Corporation and uh, I'm on the board at Maximum Sports. So we work across you know, the sports that you'll be familiar with, the, uh, the boxing, the darts and the snooker and then some of the stuff that's maybe less so, uh, less so mainstream in the UK, nine ball pool, ten pin bowling, poker. Uh, we run a golf tour, fishing, all the the stuff that Matram have been synonymous with over the years. So I'm, I'm busy over there and uh, fortunately getting a fair bit of travel out of it, which has been nice, uh, but obviously uh, missing my Saturday afternoons. Yeah, there you go. Thank still, you very much. Still yeah. keeping on the O's. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Still, you know, still follow it, uh, you know, arduously, but just uh, don't get the the opportunity to come to uh, the the games like I used to. Absolutely, absolutely. So our next guest, you've read his match reports and interviews. It's Archant's roving football reporter, George Sessions. Welcome, George. Welcome, George. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. And how how's it all going with yeah, the? Uh... It's going really well, actually. It's been um been good. Time. I think it was April. I officially started covering Orient, and it's uh been quite a journey. I think everyone agree with that over the last five six months. But no, it's going really well. Superb, superb. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well known to everybody, along with Neil Taylor at the Late Orient Trust. Um, I wrote this in quite last minute, actually. Um, I'm now sat across the table from you, and I'm a bit nervous to actually say it. Um, he's got no hair, and we don't care. It's it's Howard Gould, everybody. Thank you for joining us, Howard. Um, I thought Russell Slade was sitting here. yourself So thanks for joining us, uh, Howard. Just for those that perhaps don't know, I'm sure most most of our listeners will know. What's what, what's your role um, here with with the with the trust? What what 
Um, officially, it's the club liaison officer, community liaison. So um, uh, I think pre predominantly the role is to is working with the players and getting the players out in the community. Um, but uh, on a larger scale, it's actually getting out into schools, um, letting them know what we do, letting them know the club's here, uh, awareness, stuff like that, um, working out on the estates, local estates. We work across six boroughs, in case uh, you didn't realise. Wow. Uh, we're not just based in Waltham Forest, but we do lots of outreach work. Uh, and I still work on a few community projects over the road, because, um, again, what people might not realise is that the trust and the club are actually separate entities. So the trust is a charity on its own. Uh, and the club is is the club. Yeah. Um, so my job is to actually uh, try and link those two together. So yeah. Pretty much. And as we'll, we'll cover later. It's yeah, going sure. going yeah. really well. Yeah. Uh, as well. So yeah, we'll get an you. update yeah. from you later on on that. And also joining us this evening, famed for his humorous view from the West End blogs, it's Mr. Matt Simpson. So I'm, quite, I'm quite honoured to be in such esteemed company. <laughs> it must be a result of a massive administrative error on your part. <laughs> Thank you. I'll try not to lay the tone. <laughs> no, you are meant to be here. Oh, fine. You are, yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, do you just want to give us a bit, bit of info about your blogs? So, every match that you go to, you, you do a blog after? Yeah, my editorial policy is essentially um, knee jerkism, um, sensationalism, and lies. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Which you do very well. <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. yeah, it's a super blog. If you haven't read it, give it a read. It's normally out the morning after the night before from the match, so it's genius and we, we love it. So That's very kind of you, thank you. Yeah, cool. Thanks for joining us. And last but certainly by no means least, um, for those of you who are uh, members of the Supporters Club, you will hear her voice over the microphone after each each home match. You'll probably see her wandering around at away games as well. Uh, welcome to the show, Karen Harrison. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us uh, as always and for letting us in. Very much appreciated. <laughs> um, yeah, thank, thank you to Linda for loaning me her keys. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, it's Linda. It's really rocking tonight. <laughs> it's <laughs> banged out, yeah, yeah, wall to wall. Um, just tell us a little bit about how perhaps you got involved with the Supporters Club and well, what's going on with you now. Well, I've been coming over to the Lake Norwent for, well, God knows how many years now, too many years. Um, I got involved with the Supporters Club and I've um, not looked back really. I'm the membership secretary here, so if you've come in and bought your card, you would have bought it off of me. Um, and yeah, just enjoying, enjoying my time here. And uh, we're all volunteers, so it's. Uh, Wicked. Don't get paid for it. And Karen, is there an announcement tonight? Is there any, the first ex first of many exclusives on tonight, yeah. tonight's episode? Well, yeah, today's first exclusive announcement is that I'm now officially the Lake Norwich Supporters Liaison Officer. Yes, oh. come on. <laughs> Finally got that one sorted out and put yeah, to bed, so that's, that's, that's brilliant. Um, I won't be commenting on team matters, but if you want to get in touch, my Twitter handle will be at Lake Norwich SLO. So I have uh, had that account that's been active for a little while and I have sort of friended a few people Orient-related, but if you want to get in touch, please do. Cool, so that's at? At Leighton Orient, S-L-O. Cool. So uh, add that, people? Yep, so fantastic. So thanks for joining us, everyone. It's a, it's a cold Sunday evening here in uh, the Supporters Club, but we appreciate you coming. So this week we've had listeners in Korea, Norway, USA, Switzerland, Mexico, France, Australia, China, Spain, Finland, New Zealand, Saudi Arabia, Germany, Canada, Cyprus, Denmark, Portugal and Croatia. So that's a hell of a lot of countries. So thank you uh, all for I'm listening. I'm sure that list gets longer each it week. Does. Disappointingly, none from the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Italy. Randomly, <laughs> yeah. none from Italy. So... Um, 
episode 49 was released last week and a few reviews we had in uh, the first one is from some random guy called at George Sessions that's a bit of a silly name we'll but uh, <laughs> who said great podcast once again guys very fair and balanced assessment on things pleased to see pain getting some more love now and pain has had a great week as we'll come on to and certainly people are feeling in love for pain this week okay and we also have from at Mag- Magnus Pugna yep great pod again guys how about an interview with the youth manager and find out what's going on right, and the right ones to watch. Yeah, it's good. a good call. Yeah, we need to call. we need to get Andy Edwards on the on the podcast, which we will at some point. Yep. We'll try our best. Hopefully. Yep. We also had a tweet from at Pank P 7 like that. Thanks for the mention. A few people would describe my views on anything as philosophical or profound. So thanks, top podcast. I think that was my comment last week. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had a really good tweet last week. Yep. Um, this is from Elliot M. Byrne, who I think was single-handedly responsible <laughs> yeah. for getting the uh, Waltham Forest Guardian banned from uh, the press conference after the Oxford game for his fans' view <laughs> yes, uh, blog. Well done, Elliot, for that. He's been a very naughty Thanks boy, as Elliot yeah. Byrne. He <laughs> denied it, though, didn't he? <laughs> uh, he says, cracking pod as usual, nice listen. Thanks very much indeed. And Kevin at Kevin Cowland said, great podcast, but can't agree with comments regarding Frenchie. Um, his total class wouldn't be at the O's if there were no errors in his game. So that was Paul's comment, not mine. That wasn't yeah. a, a complete outlook view. So that's Paul's. It was my on, personal comment on, about on Matt Baldry. Yep. Um, and I actually met Kevin at Luton just after I'd finished talking to you, Matt. Actually, um, had a nice chat about it. But I think from his, he's in the positive camp, and I'm in the slightly less positive camp. So it is what it is. Uh, we've had one from Gingery ID eighty one. Uh, who says, great pod as ever, gents. Paul explained the Oxford game exactly how my old man did. Worst half by far this season, but with one win in nine and still fifth, got to keep the faith. Can't wait till episode 50 of the interviews. Top work, gents. Cool. Cheers. Yep. (laughs) Okay, one from uh, Angel Davis 2412 Laughing away on my own, listening to the latest podcast, looking like a weirdo in work. <laughs> That's me on the train normally. So. <laughs> yep, wicked. All good, as long as you listen look like a weirdo, it's all good. At Boatsy said, great episode, lads. Off to Morecambe on Saturday for my first game of the season. Hashtag wetting the baby's head. That's a local game for him, living in yep. Scotland. Um, at Rob... Oh, no, sorry, it's not me. It's you, Karen. I beg your pardon. Oh, okay. At Rob underscore Nez underscore Scythe. Great work, guys. Enjoyed episode 49. A lot to do, a lot of good points, especially about Baldry. Must do better, in my opinion. Roll on the big five zero. Yep. And the next one was Jamie PD, who disagreed. He said, "Loved episode forty nine, but must say I disagree with what was said about Baldry. I think he's one of the best in League Two." Uh, this one is from Steve Cab One Two One. He says, "Another terrific podcast, gentlemen. Looking forward to the big 50. Well, and here we are. Um, at Essex underscore O said got at or in Outlook podcast on now great show guys amazing list of worldwide listeners and even New Zealand bring back the base ah, hashtag bring braces back next season yep so those are the reviews from last week which is fantastic so thanks for all your reviews and comments so Mr Levy we've made it to podcast number 50 we've had an amazing journey so far so we've got a few top moments from the podcast yeah I think because we only got going last season, I think one of the one of the key ones for me was how it kicked off. We we got Matt Lockwood involved, and 
at the time he was playing for I think Sutton yeah yep. Sutton United um, and uh, he tempered that I think with uh, a role at Aspers Casino in, in business development so um, he usually came down I think on a Thursday or a Friday uh, would do play his football do his work at Aspers and then I think go home on the Sunday Yep, here was our first interview. Uh, we got it by a complete fluke because one of our mates knows his agent. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. He, we arranged it and he rolled up to Paul's house and me and Paul both kind of became like little schoolgirls, really. It was, uh, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It we really saw those was. curly locks walking, walking, walking up the, house, walking up like, the house. Yeah, This guy's like walking up to me, he's going to ring my doorbell and sit in my house and talk about Orient. And this is a guy that I watched from the terrace <laughs> smashing in goals. It was, it, was, it was a very surreal moment. It was, and two and a half hours later, he finished talking about himself, oh. and uh, <laughs> and that interview is still available, as all our interviews are, on SoundCloud and iTunes, and Lockie was kind enough to give us this message regarding our 50th episode. Hi guys, Matt Lockwood here. I just wanted to congratulate you on reaching 50 episodes of the Leighton Orient podcast. It's a great achievement, and one you should be very proud of. All the best for the future, and no doubt I'll speak to you all very soon. She's lucky. That was nice fantastic. One. Yeah, very good. Um, I think another one, because I didn't actually expect things to go as well as they have done. I think one milestone for me was, or for us really, was sitting hitting a, a thousand followers on Twitter. Because I'm sitting there looking at the Twitter numbers going up and think, oh, we're at 400. Oh, blimey, I wonder if we get to 500. Then you hit 500 and then it's, oh, blimey, when, when will this stop? And I think hitting a thousand was, was a big one for me and uh, or for us. And, and at the same moment, Scott McLeish getting in touch and saying that he'd be interested in uh, in having a chat about his time three times with us. Yeah, he did, and that was a great interview. Uh, he did record us a message, but we haven't got it on our on our devices, so we'll play that on the next episode. Absolutely. Sorry, Scott. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, and for you? Yeah, next highlight was me walking to the charity match and getting stopped on my way and asking if I was Steve from the Onnit Outlook podcast by at Timmy Patton, oh, and we had a nice orient chat. And the same thing happened yesterday in Loughton when I was walking down the street and uh, someone came up to me and said, are you Steve? And I was like, yeah. Weird. From the Orient Outlook podcast. And I was like, yeah. And uh, Richard Bernstein came and introduced himself. So thank you, Richard. It's great to meet you and talk about Orient. Yeah. I think um, one of the other uh, highlights as, as a recent highlight, um, sadly we didn't get to, to meet you. We weren't going at that time, Matt. But um, the current CEO, because what's, what's key for, for, for that point about us is that he'd refused all other media uh, request for an interview so for him to feel comfortable enough um, although he kept saying his English wasn't very good it was it was it's absolutely fine, fine and, and so that was a bit of a coup for us um, I think as well yep most memorable probably not for the right reasons was the first time we'd done Orient Player and uh, after match we went down to have the post-match interviews with Mr Slade yep. and we went down with David <laughs> Vic down it was the game where Orient just been beaten 2-0 by Colchester and it was Slade's big reveal that he'd had one match left to save his um job essentially so you can imagine two kind of first times at that post conference yeah. hearing that that was just uh, that was just incredible we were standing there looking at each other going wow and then we tweeted it straight away saying Russ has one match to save his job yeah. and Dave Victor <laughs> said you haven't tweeted anything have you uh, <laughs> no Dave we haven't tweeted anything mate <laughs> um, and also I think having Errol McKellar who's quite a, an outstanding individual um, when you look at what he's gone through and, and where he's at in his life and what he does for others now I think he's quite quite a remarkable character as well he's, he's a very endearing guy uh, and him and John Mackey came to my house um, to do an interview on the promotion for the Prostate Cancer UK charity match which was held in the close season um, and uh, John got in touch with us as well with a, with a very nice message 
Hello the Orient Outlook boys, it's John Mackey speaking here, congratulations on your 50th episode, always a great listen, here's the next 50th, good luck. Go love nice John one. Mackey, cheers John, yeah. fantastic message there, much appreciated. I think the last bit by no means least for us is reaching 50 episodes, really, which I didn't know that we'd meet, I never really had much thought about it, but I think it's quite monumental. Absolutely. Um, and to be sat here in the supporters club with, with all these great people really, I think. Yeah, it's incredible. So yeah. again, we couldn't do it without people listening. So thank you everyone for li- for listening. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. So we also had a message from Matt Roper from Pandemonium who emailed us and said, running a fanzine, a campaign or a podcast of a lower league football club is just like a massive extension of supporting them. Tons of blood, sweat and tears. We're little to show for it. But every now and again, you can revel in the enjoyment of achievement. And fair play to the Outlook boys. Uh, despite Steve's bearded chum never looking like the great Tony Grealish for their spirited efforts over the 15 months or so 50 episodes is indeed a fantastic effort especially when you consider the first 35 or so we spent covering crisis after crisis namely the 14-15 season so a massive well done from your mates at Pandemonium Fanzine and if you make 24 years that's what Pandemonium are up to I'll set you both up a pint at Barcelona away in the Champions League as Orient Outlet covers the O's venture into Europe in season 2039 stroke 40 or a burger and a coke yeah or a burger (laughs) and a coke at Bishop Stortford away yeah Yeah, first game of the season see you at the new camp Matt in a a couple of years we'll be 70 years old when that happens mate and he'll be a bit older I think because he's a bit older than us isn't he he is anyway only slightly slightly. Um, so we had a couple of tweets in as well and at Les underscore Bristow said congratulations to Paul and Steve of Orient Outlet podcast and achieving milestone of episode 50 always an informed and insightful listen yeah and the authentic gas is congratulations on the 50th episode boys massive achievement and awesome podcast week in week out hashtag keep up the good work we also had a couple of other messages that, that came in we've also been lucky enough to um, interview a recent um, Orient ex-Orient player um, the super duper Kevin Lisby who sent us this message uh, this is Kevin Lisby um, I'd just like to congratulate both of you on your 50th, um, done some good works. Um, congratulations to both of you, and all the best in the future. Um, I look forward to speaking to both of you again soon. Take care. Bye. So thank you very much indeed, Super Kevin Lisby, for getting in touch. Um, I don't think he's quite had the, the season that he'd hoped for when he signed for, for Martin Allen at Barnet, but we wish him well and hopefully you know, stay fit. Absolutely. Can you get on a score sheet soon. Yep, so the week that was Sunday, 8th of October, prior to recording episode 49, we spoke to the MVP from the Orient Youth Academy, Moses Odebajo. So for those who haven't followed his career since he left us, he went on to Brentford for £1 million plus add-ons. Matt, did any further news on the add-ons? <laughs> <laughs> well, the club got a sell-on fee for us from when he went to, um, to Hull. You get... Uh, negotiate a percentage of, of, of the next transfer but in our case we did it for all future transfers so we got 15% of the profit from that Brentford made and we would get the same again from any further profit that Brentford themselves get so that might be a few quid more in the future oh ok so if he gets oh, a big move from Hull yeah, did we get, yeah, yeah. get it's a percentage of their percentage not a percentage of the, of the overall yeah. um, but nevertheless you know it was good money for the club so oh absolutely and if, if he goes you know for, for a couple went, mil to another to a bigger club like 7 or 8 mil mm. even a small percentage of that still yeah, be big still money still be a few hundred thousand pounds yeah. yeah, well, he went for three and a half mil uh, initially, yeah. so that's a good bit of yeah. bit of uh, solid income. Fantastic, and he spent one season at Brentford before moving to Tulsa City uh, for three and a half million, signing a three-year deal. So we interviewed him. So we're just going to play a few snippets from that interview, which will be available in full in about a week or about a week and a half. Yeah. Um, so Paul, yeah, the first, first bit is um, about his Rochdale goal, which was one of the first 
that he'd actually scored um, in his in his senior yep. senior career. So that was Moses on his debut goal uh, for Orient. Does anyone recall that? Was anyone there? Can anyone remember that? It was the last game of the season, a couple of seasons ago. It was a fantastic goal from a, him out from the halfway line, kind of dodged a few defenders and just smacked it off the bar. Yeah, oh yeah. Got a nice story about Moses uh, and that goal because um, one of the community, we have, working in the community, we have got some nice relationships that we built up. Um, and one of the partnerships we have is with Norlington School, which is a, a local boys' school, senior school. And every year, they have their own awards, which are in the Civic Centre in Walthamstow. Um, and they ask if a player can come down as, uh, uh, to, to, to inspire all the boys and stuff like that. And we took uh, Moses, we invited Moses to do that about th- two seasons before that goal. So they, they got him when he was 16, 17. So he was roughly the same age of the kids. And he went up and he was a bit nervous that time. Then we took him back the following year and he'd had a decent season coming off the bench and so we could say, well, this is what happened and look at Moses' career taking off. And then this season he'd scored that goal. So we went up and they had it on the big screen and wow. for the kids to see that and him to see it. And we, everyone was seeing the way Moses was developing. You know, and uh, obviously he's moved on now, so he hasn't gone back there again. But it just shows they had him for three seasons as well. And his, his career was going up on their screen to these kids and they were watching him grow as we were. So it's great to finally end off with that goal and him up there on the stage and presenting the awards. It was a, it was a nice combination of everything, you know, to, to prove how when the kids come through, that things like that can happen yeah, yeah. and how they impact on the local community, which is the whole point of it. Because really those nice. children are probably following his career now and realise that he's now playing Yeah. Well, his school, because yeah. he's, he's a South Londoner and his school contacted us in Catford because uh, of all his uh, all what's happening to him, and said, "Oh, do you think you could get him down to visit our school again? You know, and inspire all our kids." And I spoke to him and asked him if he would mind going down. He goes, "No, of course not. I'll go down." And I couldn't actually make it because I like to chaperone the players and and whatever and look after him. And uh, he went down. He goes, oh, "I'll just go on the way home." Yeah. And he went down there and he <laughs> popped into the school and got photos of him in the school. And probably still got a detention outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably have to go and do that and then do, go and inspire him. He was a great lad, you know, coming through. Uh, it's good when you get them early as well. You know, the, the young lads we've got, I mean, I'll talk about it maybe a bit later on if I've got time. Cause yeah. I've, I've, I've interjected here a little bit. For, but, um, you know, the l- young lads coming through now, it's really good to get them at that age because they understand the, the strength of the work that they do in the community as they progress through their career. Yeah. Whereas with some of the older guys, it's, it's a bit tough. They're not quite used to it, but... Yeah, great with Moses. That was a great story. Cool. Very yeah. nice story. Very nice. So next snippet from the moment of you. Um, yeah, his biggest regret, which was quite an interesting yeah. uh, thing for him to actually come up with. And, and the thing that strikes... I mean, this is a bit longer. This is uh, sort of a couple of minutes. But the thing that strikes me is just how grounded he is. But but this was um, Moses' biggest regret. probably not taken a penalty, I think. Um, I think he's probably 
looking back at it now. Was that decided before the before the match? Did Russ have his five players, or was it kind of decided at the end of the extra time who who wanted to take one? Yeah, because we didn't really train to say oh, if it goes to penalty, we just kind of wanted to win it in normal time, and we had that confidence about us to say, you know, as a team, we're going to beat these in normal time. But um, the penalties were decided after extra time. Like literally, if you want to take a penalty, you put your hand up and. And I wanted to, but obviously at the time I was really nervous. But looking back at it now, I think I should have stepped up, you know, to take penalty before our defender. It's not saying that that's I, I could have missed, and you know, it could have been the same situation. But yeah. I just think as a midfielder, I should be taking a penalty before our centre back. That's fair. So, no, that's fair absolutely point. fine. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's one of those things you expect. Anyone taking a penalty from sort of twelve yards out to to really yeah. be at least getting it on target and, and, and really either making the keeper work at the very very most, but but going for the corners and, and putting them away. But it's easier said than done when yeah. you're under that much pressure. I mean, the pressure must be real. Something that's, that stuck with me after the game. I just remember there's a picture of you just punching the floor, like punching the turf. And you know, as, as, a, as fans, it was devastating. But as a player, I can't even begin to kind of comprehend how devastating that could be. Like to lose the way we did. Yeah, I just think when you're so when you're just touching distance away. Yeah. It just hurts. It hurts that much more, you know. Like maybe it's bigger bar, but they'd be kicking themselves that they didn't get to Wembley. But it probably wouldn't have felt as much as you know as we felt watching Robin walk up them steps to um to celebrate going into the championship, you know. So that was my biggest regret: not taking that penalty at Wembley. And you know, had he had done, we might be sitting here as a championship club but you never know You know, fair play to the guys who did take the penalty and as you all know that was Mo's last action in an orange shirt and then he was off it does slightly worry me that they didn't practice them yeah well absolutely I guess as he said I, I, I didn't really want to think about it but yeah I, I know what you mean but what I would say is as well from a player's point of view if you know you're going to be the second or third penalty taker and that sort of thing starts playing on your mind during the game could be a distraction also we'd had a horrific record at penalties throughout that yes. season if you remember how many we missed and how many yeah. different players missed them during regular games I can possibly see why there was less emphasis on right what's going to happen if we go to penalties who's up for it because we don't know who's going to be on the pitch you don't know who's going to have had a good game and you don't know who's going to have the bottle in the heat of the moment to do something like that I mean obviously Paul sounds like you know more than a seasoned penalty taker based on that been there done that scored it got the t-shirt should have been on the bench you haven't lived for two seasons to leave you to strike a penalty in the back of the net but no in all seriousness I can see why and when you think we did go 2-0 up so why it, the thought was never the thought process wasn't right. Well, if we get through to penalties, this is what's going to happen. I mean, I'm sure they did practice penalties at some point. You, Howard, you were down the training ground yeah, quite a lot. They must true, have yeah. done some practice. Yeah, they did. But whether that means that they knew exactly who the five were going to be in what order, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he before that part, he did mention in the week before that Slate took the players to Wembley to kind of show them yeah. around and to make them comfortable on the day. And the prep in itself sounded really good. Something <laughs> like Russ really kind of drawn into him it's just another game one more to win yeah he actually said in the, in his interview which which will be available soon that that he wanted it, you play the game not the occasion and that's why he took them to Wembley early so that they could not be taking the, the selfies and all the yeah, picks yeah. on the on the actual day and it was just another ground that they were turning up to play at because they'd already been there mm. already seen it so it was a question of right game on sort of thing so yeah I was six of one and half dozen of the other 
Yep, so that Mo interview will be available very, very soon. Um, so the week that was Monday, 19th of October, uh, Hendon had this to say following the comeback versus Oxford. I was just really pleased with the attitude of the players in the second half, especially the subs that came on. Jack Payne was disappointed at being left out, as was Ollie Palmer, and then Scotty Cashcutt, who came on and obviously scored. I said in my programme notes before the game that after 12 matches, if we had said we had two points off the automatic places, we would have taken it. It is a long season, and I still believe we will get back to winning ways and get on a run, and it is how far they want to take it. So obviously, George, that was from uh, one of your articles. So obviously, you've spoken to Hendon quite a bit, and impressions of Hendon? Um, I like Ian, to be honest. We uh, we met quite a few times over the summer and one of the first conversations we had on a one-on-one basis was actually about journalism as a whole and he spoke about how you know, it disappoints him that there's a lot of negative press and that you know from his point of view he'd prefer, he'd prefer to read positive press and you know, he understands if or he'd lose on a Saturday and if they're shocking you know, we as the press are going to say it as it is but he was quite um, quite open about it and we had a good you know, general discussion and from then on we've always had a pretty good relationship you know he's He's not um, everyone's cup of tea, as I'm sure people have seen on Twitter and heard things. But, you know, I think he's he's quite a fair man. He'll, um, he's always been fair with me, and whenever I've interviewed him, he's always been, you know, as good as gold. And he's always helpful when it comes to player interviews as well. So, you know, I can't really, can't say too many bad words about him from my own experiences. And I, other people might say different, but, you know, I like him on a whole. Yeah, and that's something that Alessandro said quite a lot about Hendon. He's very positive and he doesn't look on the negative, very positive. Other thoughts around the table for Hendon so far? We we happy or not so happy? No, I, I find him uh, very gracious. I, mean, I had a, a meeting with him uh, pretty soon after he'd come to the club. Obviously, I was worried about contact. You build relationships with uh, predecessors and things and um, you get your... Uh, systems go in and when you're allowed to get the players out etc etc so you're worried when a new uh, manager comes in is he going to change scheduling and things like that which, which does happen um, happened recently like this week for example they had a different day off this week the boys normally have a Wednesday off they took Thursday off so that could mess me about when I've committed them to community stuff but um, as I say I had a meeting with Ian he was very open he said whatever you need let me know um, you know the boys will do a job if you have any problem with the boys come and let me know and I'll make sure they they do it, so he's very positive with me. I've never had any any qualms with him at all. Yep. And in terms of his selections, are we happy? Formations? No, I'm absolutely appalled with all of it. Um, <laughs> 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 I don't know that the Oxford game is an interesting one because, like, I think you can give him credit for changing it around at half time and rallying the team. But the first half was absolutely appalling. It was terrible, terrible. Football, Forty-five minutes of football but, that but, literally made me want to kill myself. <laughs> but also, I think his selections were pretty poor in that game. He'd reverted to four-four-two, but didn't play Payne or James. So there was no creativity. There was no one given anything to the strikers so I think he was at fault yeah but then teams have kind of sussed that we're playing the diamond formation and so that wasn't working either so that he seemed to be a bit under pressure to play the 4-4-2 and then he's played the 4-4-2 and we were shocking so it's like well what do you do <laughs> but I think he played it's the 4-4-2 with the wrong players yeah so, yeah. Maybe, so maybe the wrong central midfield so I yeah. think last week we had a tweet so if you're going to play it you need to have even more or Pritchard yeah. and in James or Payne you can't have yeah. more and Pritchard I think that's right to an extent, but you've also got to look at the people that played out in the wings that day. You know, Blair Turgut is a very good player, I think, but he had a really poor afternoon. Yeah. I think if he'd been you know, good for the first five minutes, you probably wouldn't have noticed Payne or James missing so much because he was doing well and Kelsey's bombing alongside him. But the whole team performed pretty poorly for that first five minutes, which didn't help. I, I agree that if Payne was probably there, the 4-4-2 would have looked better, but... 
I think the, the players probably let him down more than anything that, yeah. that 45 minutes. I I'd agree. Yeah. I think he's still struggling to know what his best side and his best formation is. He's a bit... Um, yeah. He's a bit lucky in effect because he's got such a vast amount of midfield players. Yeah. I guess you know all in that midfield position. He's got so many good central midfield players, which yeah. is why he's he plays the diamond, I yeah. think, isn't it? Because he wants to get as many of many of them in as possible. But then you leave out somebody else who's a very good player, so it's, it's tough. Well, absolutely, yeah. like you know Lloyd James, who's been a great servant for the O's, I think personally, yeah. and he, he can't get into the first team at the moment, or he can't get into the starting lineup. To be honest, he actually said um, yesterday he really praised James and said he's got a massive part to play this season because the way he's trained since he's been dropped, and it wouldn't surprise me if he got a lot more minutes over the next month. Yeah, so. we got that a bit later on because he says that and then he says something about Cox and training, yeah. which sounded like a bit of a dig. Um, mm. But we'll come on to that a bit later. And also on Monday, Paul McCallum uh, underwent his knee operation following his injury in Northampton, so we wish him the best. Uh, I think McCallum's been quite a big loss so far this season. I thought he was just starting to strike up a really good partnership and understanding with Simpson, and they were reading each other's game really well, and I think it's been a big miss so far. Yeah, it did work really well, uh, and he'd been getting the goals, and Simpson had been doing a lot of the running, and McCallum had been doing a lot of the winning the ball and holding it up, and I think he'd been doing getting getting his own fair share, of, well, more than his fair share of goals, you could argue. He's probably the informed striker at the start. Well, in August, he was the one getting the goals, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he obviously hit the ground running in pre-season, which is such a big advantage yeah. for a striker to, to not go in cold at the start of the season. If, even if it's just some poxy non-league team, you've fired a couple in past them. The, the confidence boost that gives striker yeah. at any level and of any level uh, of any amount of experience is massive. So he's had a good pre-season. Then obviously Simpson started the season on fire, and it looks like you've got you've got a partnership. So with a small squad, that's so important to have a, a settled front two like. You know, I don't want to keep harping on about the past, but like Mooney and Lisby, or like yeah, Alexander yeah. and Steele, or you know, like Kitchen and Mayo. If you want to keep going back, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that, wherever you're looking, if you've got a front two that's that's gelling, that takes the pressure off the rest of the team so much. Yeah. Um, so I think McCallum will be a big loss, and it's going to be up to sort of Palmer, um, you know, and even like young Scott Cashkit or whatever to to sort of maybe try and step up and fill that hole alongside Jay Simpson, who's obviously red hot at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Simpson's on fire. Maybe a bit too much pressure on Jay Simpson, yeah, I, w- I would question whether the four strikers we had at the start of the season are a promotion-winning strike force. I think Palmer's done well when he's come on as a sub, but hasn't had as much impact when he started games. I think yeah. Kashkit is obviously a talent, but he's very, very young, and relying on him um, is going to put a lot of pressure on him. I think essentially if Jay Simpson gets injured, we will probably never, ever score again. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see your confidence then. It's quite worrying, I think. Well, also a lot of rumours this week that Simpson might be off on loan. Well, a few, well, you know. It started off on a rubbish, um, inaccurate site. Uh, that he, he was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, view from the West, that sounds familiar. Um, yeah, he'd been linked with a, a move away to, to higher clubs and... Um, uh, with a, a st- initially, I think on loan with a view to a permanent move in January, but I think you've got two hopes of that happening. He's our main striker, so Ian wouldn't be prepared to let him go num- on loan. Number one, and number two, he's under contract to us and he's doing well and he's enjoying himself here. So, you know, he, he went through a tough season last season. He's now enjoying his football. That's rubbish. It's just, I hate that website. It got, it got one okay. thing right, and I can't remember what it was, but it got one thing. He got one thing right once, and, and I don't think he's ever got anything right I, since. I definitely couldn't see him going out on loan. The challenge could be in January. Yeah. At his age, he's not one of these mid 30s. You know, Jay Simpson's still got years left in him, uh, and he might still fancy his chances at a higher level. I'm not saying he does, he says all the right things in his interviews about how he's happy and he's doing well, etc., etc. But it's a different story. If somebody. Uh, you know, even bottom end of the championship or top half of League One decides to have a little bit of a go of, of it in January and finds a spare 
few quid in their pocket. Yeah. Might not be the club that wants to let him go by any stretch of the imagination, but if he or his agent d- decide otherwise, then you could be in a different yeah. in, in a different scenario. Uh, hopefully, it won't happen. But you know, it, it couldn't be ruled out as a complete impossibility if he's if he's got 15 goals by Christmas. Most people in the football league will be will be saying, "Hang on a minute, can yeah. you do a job for us?" He's on 11 so far. Exactly. So yeah. It, yeah. It, it really is a possibility in that regard. Yep, incredible. Cool. So, Tuesday the 20th of October, moving on now. Under-18s captain Michael Clark was awarded a place in the top 11 apprentice footballers of October by the Football League, uh, sorry, League Football Education. He won the award due to great staff comments and his fantastic performances on and off the pitch. So, again, more good things coming out of the academy and um, we hope to have Andy on the show at some point in the not-too-distant future. We'll yep. work on that. Not too many hints there about Andy uh, joining us on the show tonight, the second one so far. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. you know, you've got, a, got a subtly <laughs> topic. Was it subliminal messaging? Yeah, but not. You just mention it every now and again. It's just suddenly, it's like, oh, I've got to go on the show. Um, and also, uh, Luton Away, um, which uh, I made the short journey up the, uh, up the road to. Um, and before the match, we asked you what formation and who you'd like to see in the starting lineup. So, um, starting off, at Elliot M. Byrne got in touch with us and then said, imagine we'll return to the diamond, which is fine, I guess, although I still think 4-4-2 is better, but Payne has to play. Yep. At Colin Jeffrey, 67, I would love to see James and Payne, but it ain't going to happen. Played 6-1-5 with James in the side, played 8-1-1 without. Massive Sky Sports News style stat. That is, <laughs> that is very good. <laughs> Delivered it really well. I'm going to push a mystic, a Jamie P.D., Said uh, Cash getting Palmer up top would be the dream with Simpson behind them, but that won't happen. Cool. And uh, Les LK52, who might be uh, a bit psychic, said might Cox benefit from a rest tonight? Question mark. And might use James? Question mark. So, good point, Les. On the future. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at Mr. Underscore Pag said, as Saturday showed, it's less about formation, more about whether we can play for both halves and not give stupid goals away. Sorry, that was your one to read. I'm just, I'm just yeah, sorry. So the team was announced, Chizak in goal, uh, back four of Klehesi, Essen, Baldry and Chickson. Midfield was back to the diamond of Payne, Pritchard, Mar- or Marquis, with Palmer and Simpson up front. Subs were Granger, Shaw, Dunn, Cox, James, Turgut and Kashkit. So there were two changes from Saturday. It's Jack Payne and Ronnie Palmer started in place of Dean Cox and Blair Turgot. Very interesting that he dropped Cox because Cox is obviously a big player for us, uh, name as well as supplier uh, of crosses. So uh, Payne obviously as well. Um, it's nice to see the manager picking players on form and not name. Um, well, not he picked the exact same team that played the second half of the Oxford game, didn't yeah, he? So yeah. he obviously felt that they did well there and wanted to stick with them. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, maybe Cox does need a rest. You know, um, he looked a little bit off off sorts, and if that is the case, he's only human. Twelve twelve tough games in, plus a couple of league ones, a lot of travelling involved. So you know, hopefully he'll do well when he does come into play. Yep. And in the last episode, in episode forty nine, I said I wasn't sure about Cox playing after the Oxford game because the diamond doesn't really suit Cox as a player. He's always played slightly out of that, slightly out of position, and you know, if you're gonna play the diamond you need to have four who work in that position but very strange that he didn't start for me his Cox is normally dependable and it's probably more suited to the role than Marquis who is playing out of position in that position I would say so views around the table was anyone surprised to see Cox dropped or I, I think you're always surprised to see Cox drop but I guess with that game it's, it's looting away isn't it they're very physical Yeah, you know, they're very tall as well so you do need a bit more aerial threat and Marquis does bring that so does Palmer so you can understand why those two play and you're not going to drop Simpson, so in a Absolutely. way it does, did kind of make sense, I think. 
I like John Marquis from what I've seen of him so far. Yeah, he's industrious. He's he he knows how to play the game, and that sounds like a really sort of textbook comment from whatever uh, there is out there. But he, he he just generally runs his socks off, and he does work really hard. I was going to say as well, and um, we, where we played Luton in the JPT, we had a rough idea of how they were going to play their game. I would have thought so. Hendon probably looked at that game and thought, well, actually, we need to play it this way, for, you know, for the league game. So. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think Cox didn't have a very good game in the first half against uh, Oxford, uh, but I think you're right, Steve. I think he never ever works at the top of the diamond. I think every single Orient manager since Cox um, joined us has yeah. tried him at some point, and he just gets snuffled out. He just doesn't seem to have the same creativity. And if you look at his stats, the amount of assists he's made from playing out on the left wing, exactly. clearly much more dangerous there. And yeah, so I don't think it was particularly uh, controversial that he left him out of that game in particular. But I think we'll come on to talk about the controversy of leaving him out for Morecambe shortly. Sure, we will. <laughs> I'm sure we will. So a few tweets about the team. Okay, we've got at Vince Howard seventy three. He says the diamond reigns supreme. Not sure about playing Marquis and Palmer, as both seem the type to be better off from the bench. We also yep. had Prof on tour. Great team. Glad to see Painting. Expect to see Cox, Turgut, Kashka on the second half subs. A comfortable win coming up. Yep, so for Luton, starting was my ex-favourite, Scotty C. Not, not your favourite anymore, no? Still brings a tear to my eye. Still love that Scottish <laughs> man. Um, so the match kicked off and Orient player goes down again. Not the first time we've said it. Won't be the last time we've said it. New provider, but still the same old problems with Orient player. Um, so we did start, out, start off with the diamond. And Paul, you were there. So yeah. Yeah, no, paint at the base, Marquis uh, playing behind Palmer and Simpson at the top of it. Um, I thought it was a fairly even game, actually. Both teams looking quite industrious, looking to, to get that goal, looking to kill off the other team. Uh, but in the 14th minute, um, Essen misses Macau Smith Smith's cross uh, and Marriott's effort fall, falls kindly to Chisak. That should have been 1-0 Luton. Yep, so lucky in escape. In the 14th minute, I think so. I think Chisak did well. Um, to be where he was but um, yeah that, that should have been 1-0 yep in the 76th minute superb, superb work down the left by Marquis who drilled, across, drilled his cross to Payne who shots at goal but it was well saved I thought the keeper done well there actually I thought you were a bit harsh no, I thought the keeper made a decent he save put his, he, he had the ability there Payne to, to smash that and, it, and he tries he goes for placement over power um, and the keeper got down yep but yeah. had that been a, a sharper a harder cro- a shot and, and off the floor I think I don't think the keeper would have got that you're a tough man, Mr. Lee. I am. Hard to please. <laughs> tough man. 30th minute then. Scotty C, who wouldn't have been my favourite had he scored, has a header cleared off the line and a good block there. Yeah. Don't yeah. want off the Payne, line. Payne did very, yeah. very well there, actually. Uh, then just three minutes later, um, a goal for Luton, um, sadly. Every defender stood still as the deflected cross came across. Uh, Marriott seemed to sort of ghost in at the far post. Everyone stands there and watches the ball go to the back post. And then, oh, look, there's a Luton player standing there ready to, to, to accept that. Um, defence to blame completely for me because all four of them were there and I don't know where Adam Chickson was I think um, it's, I think it's probably Essam's fault really that one looking at looking back on the video he put his hand up for offside if he hadn't have done that and carried on playing I'm sure almost certainly he would have cleared that ball and Marriott would have scored so I agree it's probably all the defence because they were all on the hills but Essam probably had the, uh, the big big part in that Essam's coming for a bit of flack in the last couple of games he started the season really well I thought and was really strong and I guess the last four or five games he's kind of being found out a bit? Uh, I think he's a, a good prospect. He's quite young. I don't think he's the first choice central defender of a promotion winning League Two side. Yeah. We need to have better than him. I do, I do agree. But, I then, think... but then Alan Dunn seems to keep getting himself <laughs> <so far>. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> So I don't think he's the answer either. 
I think Essen works well alongside Baldry. I think I think they're starting to have a good a good little partnership going. You know, Baldry's very much pass on the floor and try and play it out. Whereas Essen's a bit like just thump it out the building, mate. Just get rid of it. Mm. Um, <laughs> Archetypal, absolutely defender, especially League Two. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So we created a few clear cut chances. Number finished. Luton looking threat, quite threatening on the attack. Actually, uh, Craig McCall Smith. I thought he was making some good runs and giving the defence a bit of a tough time. I thought we looked quite frail defensively. Um, at times we looked a little bit shaky, but you know their goal shouldn't have happened. It did. Um, we went in one one nil down at half time, and we had a tweet from at smudge underscore lofc who said the game is crying out for someone who can deliver a decent cross. Just a thought. How about Coxie? Yeah, absolutely. So tennis announced at just over eight thousand, which is a pretty good attendance actually for a Tuesday night game uh, with six hundred and thirty eight away fans. So good. Good turnout for the O's there. Yeah, pack that out that away end. And second half dream start for Orient, 47th minute. Klehesi, uh cuts in from the right and is born to the box. He's slotted home at the near post by Jay Simpson. Man on fire, was never going to miss that chance really. T- too easy for Jay, which was great. And he scores his 11th for the season. And I missed it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I turned around to get my hot dog and a bovro and I missed the goal. Oh. I just so I went all that way and I didn't even see the goal. <laughs> see the goal. <laughs> but great work from Clahessi, who's had a really good season in getting forward. Seems to a lot of the focus on the attack is through Clahessi getting forward. Great ball in for Simpson. And like we said, he's on fire this season and never going to miss that. No. I have to say, though, that if I uh, if Brian Bovell and Hot Dogs means that I'm going to miss the goals, I'll buy them all day long. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we'll all chip in for that. Yeah. Um, Clahessi was uh, excellent, actually. He's been an absolutely fantastic signing this season. Great acquisition, yeah. wasn't he? Great really find. good. I have to agree with you. Yeah, we haven't seen someone like that, I say, since Moses. But Moses was, uh, you know, arguably more of a right winger and playing at right back. But, you know, an actual out-and-out right back that was just bombing down since probably Lockie uh, for the left side. I don't know, Matt, if you can remember anyone else. Charlie Daniels, maybe? Yeah, Charlie, 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 yeah. 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 Charlie was a very attacking full-back, wasn't he? You know, Elliot had his moments, but it was more defensively That's minded. true. Yeah. Elliot Pro- Amazuzzi, yeah. It's yeah. probably a good call where you, where you put it. Yeah, and I guess we just need someone similar on the left. So, obviously, we've got Shaw, who started the season well and has kind of been out of favour. Then we've got Chickson in, um, who's done all right. He's been found out a couple of times, and, you know, personally, I think he's all right. I don't think he's a championship player at all. No. I'm not sure he's a League One player. Maybe League Two when he gets fit and gets more game time, potentially. But I've seen him twice, I think, and both times I've kind of gone well. There's no better than Shaw for me, really. And he was a bit younger, obviously, well, he would be. He wouldn't have been older when he came first. <laughs> when he came first time, but I didn't think he was a particularly effective, you know, low knee for us. Then he sort of yeah. just filled a gap, really. But you know, some some low knees come in, and you need to have an immediate impact, don't you? Unless you're yeah. coming in on a season long loan, you've got to be, you've got to be doing something within your first couple of games to really, you know, justify the the, the acquisition. And you know, I suppose to be fair, fullbacks are not often going to be actual match winners. Mm. But no. maybe he's just sort of steady Eddie, you know. I guess maybe it's unfair to uh, compare him to someone like Clahessi who just seems able to bomb forward. I mean, that's not that's not an average League Two right-back. He's a very, very good League Two right-back. Yeah, so maybe, maybe a bit of injustice there. And he must be doing something right because when we had Joe Maguire, he only got to play the JPT game um, and then he went back or he was on the bench um, and then Chickson's play it's starting every game that he's been here. So he must be doing something right, whether it be in training... Yeah, I think Shaw was starting to struggle actually in the last couple of games. He didn't play as well. Again, a young player, good prospect, but it was a lot of pressure on him to be our first choice left back yeah. for the whole season. I think he needed a bit of a break, but I'm not uh, convinced Chickson's necessarily the right answer for the yeah. whole season. Yep. Cool. So, um, in the uh, set into 
uh, second half now, quite late into the second half, centre first minute. Oli Palmer uh, makes way for for Dean Cox, so the substitution. Yeah, and then the 88th minute, Lloyd James came on, replaced John Marquis, and you thought that was a bit of a strange sub at the time, didn't you? Yeah, sort of playing out for a draw, really. I think, you know, the game could have been won, and they didn't want to take a risk and then go in and, and, and lose it. But, you know, Marquis had been, been doing really, really well. Um, I couldn't quite get my head round that. That change really. Maybe he wanted to give James a bit more match time because he hasn't, you know, sort of break him in gently. Mm. That was my view. That's what yeah. I thought. So. I just, I think he changed it because Luton, a couple of minutes before, they had started to get a bit more on the ball in midfield and they was bombing the balls forward as well. And I think he just sort of thought, on a conscious point of view, let's not get caught here and just concede last minute like they did before. At Luton. Yeah, yeah. So just bring James on, shore it up a little bit, keep the ball and. He did play out for a draw, and I guess kind of worked in the end, didn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He didn't want to lose. Mm. So, so four minutes out of time were played. No chances created in a match ends one all. So one all away to Luton isn't a bad result. No, that I could would be a say. crucial point come the end of the season. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So at Dulcet, Dave tweeted that Ian Hendon explained that this was a point game. Very disappointed with the way the goal was conceded. Uh, Ollie Palmer had to come off with a tight hamstring. We'll have to see how he is for Saturday. Uh, Dean Cox uh, has not said anything and rightly so he took it on the chin and got on with it the away support has been tremendous and it is appreciated stick with us and it will come yep so the league table after that game was played 14 won 6 drawn 5 lost 3 23 points we were 6 in the league uh, so still in the playoff zones although we can't form we're still right at that point. Yep. In our prediction league, congrats to at Boatsy, at Snelling89, at Stephen333, 86058. <laughs> Is that your telephone number? <laughs> <laughs> at S. Churchill and at New underscore Watson37, who all predicted one all as part of our prediction league. Cool. Um, thought, as, as my roundup of that, I thought sort of two fairly equal teams who huffed and puffed created chances but obviously only ultimately took one each I think we were a bit poor defensively and it needs addressing immediately uh, and Baldry has to be better as he's the more experienced uh, def- central defender and obviously being team captain as well Yep, for me uh, it could be another valuable point as you've already said uh, but if you don't keep clean sheets then winning the games becomes very hard to do um, but after Saturday I would have liked to see Scott Cashkit get on the pitch he must be full of confidence after that performance on Saturday and I would like to see him come on around the 75th minute and give him a bit of time to see what he could have done, especially against the Luton defence, who aren't the youngest or the quickest, and we all know that Cashkit's quite a fast player. Um, if you were there, what yeah, Cashkit did really well actually the last time yeah. when he played Luton. So uh, I see where you come from. That he might have come on and actually uh, had to do something. But I guess overall, it's always a good point of Luton, isn't it? I think everyone's waiting for them to come good this season. I'm sure they will at some yeah. point. You know, they're a hard team. Aren't they? they are. They're a good team, aren't they? Really, they, they are going to be there or thereabouts for the end of the season. So I guess looking at it. In the long term, I think it will be a decent point. Typical John Steele team, really. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Mm. Tough to beat. They brought on Josh McCoyd quite late on as well. I mean, they got they got a decent decent team. A huge amount of money for yeah. the division. Yeah, they, they get massive crowds. That they are a, they are a big club. It's a shame they don't spend some of it on a new stadium. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or just some nicer seats. That's I thought the fans into. should have tried to uh, encourage. Um, who was their striker who stuck his finger up? Mario. Oh, yeah. he's the one who scored. The one yeah. who scored. Yeah, I thought we should have um, hassled him a bit more, tried to get him to repeat it, get something sent off. <laughs> we should have done Mr. Trick there. Mr. Yeah. Trick, absolutely. So those were our views. So your views at Orient underscore 17 said still not good enough. May seem a decent point tonight, but not when we miss out at the end of the season. <laughs> wow. Wow, yeah. Miss out on what? Promotion. Promotion, I guess. <laughs> miss out on having one extra yeah. <laughs> two extra points. Yeah. Okay, we've also got at Les LK fifty two. We need a midfielder who has the killer ball to provide for forwards. 
creativity? Question mark. And there was a response to that from Samuel LOF97. We have one. He's on the bench. Yep, so that was okay. sort of obviously about Coxie being on the bench there, yep. Uh, and this is from Josh34486. Uh, even though we're not losing, it's quite worrying that we've only had one win in eight games. Yeah, at Chris underscore Holmes24 said, good point, but we need to defend better as a team. Simpson can't be the get-out-of-jail card every week. At David G. Boone said, need the killer punch and capitalise killer and punch, so they're obviously very important. <laughs> Cannot waste chances if they want to get back up. Also, teams who have beaten us, others struggle with. At TCW0102, lots of positives, not least that the team looks solid and Simpson scores the 11th. Uh, we are now stuck in the chasing pack. Yeah, uh, S underscore Fitz95 said Coxie will fight to get his place back and that will help him rediscover form. These draws look bad now, but the points could be very valuable if we put a run together in the new year. That's a great tweet, that one, actually. We've also got at John Macker 1977 Pleased we're not losing, but I'm worried that we're not taking our chances week in, week out. Hendon needs to find out what his best team is very quickly. And Ben LOFC said, a good point, but if Simpson gets injured this season... And basically, everyone needs to get a gun and shoot himself. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. used an emoji gun, yeah. <laughs> I would like Payne as, as captain for Saturday, a fast CBN loan and 10 clones of Simpson. Wow. So not asking for much. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, at Len M4 says, we need to play 4 4 2 and get a proper right winger to complete with Turga if JB isn't playing. Ryan Hedges, anyone? Yeah. yeah. What, what's happened to Ryan Hedges? Yeah. Still at Swansea. Is he? Yeah. Playing? Okay. Not sure. No. For the under twenty one. I think he's in the under twenty ones. Yeah. Uh, he actually got sent off the other week for the under twenty ones. Did, so did he? I'm not sure what for, but he did quite early on. I think. When we spoke to him at the um, Player of the Year uh, ceremony, he he envisaged this season being at a championship club. He said that was his aim. So because mm. he's just going back to sign a new contract. Yeah. But cool. Um, at Angel Davis two four one two, Payne was on fire tonight. He should be captain. Baldry just isn't pulling it off. Quite interesting about Payne actually. When Payne first joined, there was. a no one really was that taken with pain, and every week you can see more and more people now are starting to think mm. pain is the real deal. You can really see it through the tweets after the matches about pain being a captain, pain being influential here, his passing. So great to see pain's turning into a real asset, it yeah, would seem. Great signing. At Simon 08 Edward, not sure 1 1 is okay myself. Some players are either not turning up or not good enough. Too early to be thinking about Uwe Rosler? Question mark. <laughs> oh. Well, in response, at Mate Baker Home, said, agreed on both counts. 1-1 one, one away at Luton after the spirit we ended with on Saturday is not OK. It's 11 v 11 for 90 minutes. And Mr Clarkson said, we were more than capable of winning that game. Luton crumbled after our goal and the three points were just waiting for us. And then at smudge underscore LOFC, with Marquis, Palmer and Simpson, we were way too narrow in the final third. Marquis and Simpson with Palmer on the bench for me. And Bog Stollocks one said... Well done there, George. <laughs> Bob, that's all right. <coughs> Two points chucked away. The better team, but Simpson apart, no one looks like scoring and we cannot defend. Um, and Stiggy64 said, This heroic come from behind stuff is all well and good, but we need to start winning games. Need to put a run together soon. OK, so I had a text from uh, one of our South Stand friends, Dennis, who said, How can Hendon say, I would have taken a point before tonight's game? He goes on to say, yes, true if we had got three against Oxford, maybe. He's so negative. The points were there for the taking, yet he brings on James with five minutes to go to save a draw. We're drifting into mid-table mediocrity. Good performance, maybe, but what happens if Simpson gets injured? So I guess if Simpson gets injured, then I guess it would be Marquis Palmer. Yep. I guess. And then Cashkit, maybe a loan signing, maybe. How long do we have Marquis for? 
93 days. days yeah. So that would be until where October, until probably just before Christmas. Yeah, I think so. Mid mid December maybe, something like that. So maybe a bit too much pressure on Simpson, but I just I guess we just have to wrap him up in cotton wool. Yeah, and just pray that he doesn't get injured. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. Cool. Send your bubble wrap donations to the supporters. <laughs> you pass them on, yeah. <laughs> So, on Wednesday the 21st of October, um, reported on various websites that MK Dons, Fulham, Brentford and Ipswich are all interested in Jay Simpson. Uh, Jay Simpson tells our guest panellist, George, uh, this evening, uh, I am enjoying my football. We've got a great bunch of lads in the changing room and I'm happy and settled. Leighton is local to me. My son's in school here and I enjoy working with the gaffer and his assistant, Andy Hessentyler, as well as first team coach, Kevin Nugent. I believe we're going to get promoted this year, so I want to be a part of that. Yep, so great news to hear that from Jay and... What's, what's Jay like? Jay a nice bloke? And yeah, he's actually... Uh, genuine? Yeah, he, he does seem genuine. I spoke to him a couple of times and he always thinks about his answers. So I think you can sort of tell that he's come from a Premier League club. He started yeah. for Arsenal, didn't he? So yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's probably been media trained quite well. But he always speaks you know, pretty decent. Seems seems fairly positive about the club. You know, A lot of people would have probably expected him to leave in the summer, I think. you know, I, I thought he was going to, but mm. he stayed around and he's doing the business. I thought he was going to go as well. Yep. Fantastic. Also on Wednesday, O's defender Jack Humphrey and striker Victor Adebayajo join Ryman Northside Haybridge Swifts on work experience loan. So good luck to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it'd be a bit of a wasted opportunity if we didn't at least ask a few questions of former CEO sat next to me, Matt Porter, just just to uh, sort of give us a bit of a, an idea about sort of being the CEO. What, what does it actually mean, and what what do you actually what what's actually involved? Can you give us a brief overview? It, it, it involves basically running everything at the football club apart from the first team. Okay. Um, you know, you, you have to bring together the the different departments. So you've got ticketing, commercial, stewarding, catering, um, you know, safety, stadium maintenance, all the sort of mundane day-to-day stuff that fans don't really see unless they have a problem with it and then they never want to have a moan about <laughs> it, which is fair enough. Um, but it's, it's, in, it's integrating all of that into the overall strategy of the club, making sure that you, you know where you want to go and how you want to get there. Um, so you know, you've, you've got so many different stakeholders with, with, with a, a club like Orient who, who can have a massive impact on uh, how you can progress. So, for example, you know, the, the work that Howard does in the community. You know, it's the perception of the football club, not just in Waltham Forest and, and across East London, but actually everywhere now, the way the media goes. So when we get awards or when we get nominated for something or when we put an event on where there's two or 300 kids there, that, that sort of thing is seen everywhere and it reflects well on the football club. Um, you've got to do stuff that benefits your sponsors. You need their money. Um, you know, and people don't always like that, but at the end of the day, that's a, an absolute necessity of, of the modern game. Um, and then you know you work as a as a almost like a um, su- support network for the first team as well because ultimately everything is about results on a Saturday afternoon and it can be quite difficult when things are going wrong to keep everybody else bubbling on because it can be demoralising you know if everybody does the job to the best of their ability Monday through to Friday team goes out and gets smashed five 0 on Saturday everybody's moaning we're the worst club in the country. But everybody else is doing their job fine. We just happen to have a bit of a mare on, on Saturday afternoon. So that can be difficult then because obviously fans can be reactionary towards that. And you used to find, you know, we sort of mentioned it earlier about how many tweets and stuff you get after a defeat compared to a, to a loss. My inbox on a Monday morning after a defeat um, would be full of, of criticism about this, that and the other. But yeah, if we won on Saturday you could get away with a multitude of different things. We might not have had your size shirt in the shop. We might have sold out of programmes. The food in the restaurant might have been crap. You know, there might have been all sorts of different things that went wrong. But if the team won, you get away with it because ultimately that's the, the sole reason why we all come. 
you know, and, mm. and why we all pay any attention. So you have, you have to make sure that you balance that internally with, with every other department as well. And, and as I said before, be that support network for the, for the first team. So make sure that everything is done to make their life as easy as possible so they can concentrate on football, all the arrangements for the games, all the equipment, all, all the, the stadium has to be right on a match day, you know, and, 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 and just basically try and keep things as smooth as possible to enable them to do their job, which in turn makes it easier for you to do your job. Cool. That was a great answer. Yeah, oh, right. that was a superb answer. <laughs> yeah. And Matt, also, I can't let you leave here without asking you about the uh, charity game. What do you mean when I managed to play for our promotion winning team in front of 3,000 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, Paul's obviously scored a couple of penalties at Wembley. Yeah. I'm just trying yeah. to think. Steve, whether your footballing highlight was no, Mine's I can't, really can't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> that must be, amazing. That must be amazing, though. Like that was a great experience. Out, yeah, Do you know yeah. what? I didn't know I was gonna. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, it was, the game was actually, to be fair, I'd, the game was actually something I've been talking to uh, to John Mackey and Errol about for about four years, and it was a case of finally getting a, a time together because we couldn't. We wanted to do it the year before because of the playoffs. We couldn't right. plan it because we didn't know when our home semi final was going to be, if indeed we were going to have one. So fortunately, uh, after I left, sort of Errol carried on planning it with Rob Noble and, and Tom Jeffs and, and Howard, I think, and some of the other guys at the club, and it all came to fruition. And Martin said, I'll come down, come and be in the dugout and you can be my director of football for the day. I thought, this is going to be brilliant. I can't wait. You know, I was texting all the lads that I'm still in touch with, like Mackie, Gary Alexander-East and everyone, getting everyone back together. It was really looking forward to it. Anyway, I walked in the dressing room. Martin's held up a shirt with my name on it and my number. I thought, you are having a laugh. There is no way I'm playing. He said, you are playing. I was like, no, I'm not going out there and playing. Somebody once said to me when I first started working at the club, so I'm going to give you one piece of advice. Never kick up a football in front of a professional footballer if you, if you want them to take you seriously. And they're dead right. Why would you do it? You know. Yeah. So I thought what I'll do is instead of kicking the ball, I'll just miss it entirely. <laughs> <laughs> and then they still won't know whether I'm any good on it. Do so you know what? It was a great day. It was a really, really nice day. And it was good that we raised so much money and got so much exposure for er- Errol's charity as well. Because as you touched on before, he's been a fantastic ambassador for, for PC UK and for for Leighton Orient and, and actually for East London to be honest you know, he's, he's, a, he's a really really good guy yeah superb great man and it was a great day um, was, yeah. Yeah. so moving on obviously Matt was the former CEO and on Wednesday night uh, I guess we were privileged to interview the current CEO so Alessandro Angeleri um, joined under Mr Bichetti's reign and has declined loads of interviews with kind of loads of people all media all media and yeah. Mr Levy was able to speak to him at Dagenham and that's kind of the first time where this kind of was mentioned yeah. an interview and we finally got him uh, round my house on Wednesday night eventually. which was amazing yeah eventually were you dressed as these schoolgirls <laughs> for Matt Lockwood you dressed as schoolgirls <laughs> <laughs> is that what you enticed him in? I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> oh sorry was that, <laughs> that was off there Howard <laughs> <laughs> you know some things don't get broadcasted no, sure. so we've got a few snippets from the interview uh, the full interview will be available later this week but yep. we've got a few exclusives to play um, so what's the first one you're going to play? We're going to play uh, about why he appointed, what impressed him about Ian Hendon to him and the uh, president, uh, Mr. Bacchetti, about what impressed him about them about Ian Hendon. Uh, for me, was the first impression that was very good, no? Because uh, he presented him very professional, and uh, but in uh, with the humble approach, okay. Not uh, in, the, in the right way for yeah. me, no? Yeah. Right, the right approach. And uh, he, he was very clear from the beginning because he explained that uh, his expectation was uh, 
to show his quality, to have an opportunity, and uh, was uh, another important thing. Uh, he he shown us uh, how loves how he loves uh, the club because he played in the 1995, I think, yeah. 1996. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for him, to have this opportunity was, uh, was uh, a very good uh, chance. So that was about how... That, Why uh, they so, chose him. He came yeah. across really well. Good first impression. Humble. Passionate about the club. Yeah. So you, you probably, couldn't say this, probably couldn't say the same about Fabio Liberani. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. I think that's a pretty safe thing to say. <laughs> uh, moving on, um, he gave us um, a bit of an update on Joby. Um, he confirmed what the situation is, which hopefully quashes some of the rumours that, that you may all read on, on social media. And this is what he had to say. Yes, uh, Joby uh, in August asked us the possibility to uh, train with the club in the Iger League. Championship League, uh, something like this, no? And uh, he trained. But at the moment, he is uh, a part of the club. He trained uh, with the club. And uh, that, okay. So that was it about Joby, really. Still part of the club, although he, he asked to train with other clubs in August, still training. And he's yeah, still an Orient still player. Still, he's not at Reading or any other club at the moment. He is training, training with the club. Bit of an unusual situation to have uh, an vastly experienced individual you know, on your wage bill, but not actually playing. So, you know, I think what Ian had said previously um, in an in interview was probably with, with you, George, or, or with, with somebody, he said that um, he'd obviously been away in the Copper America and the Gold Cup and he'd come back to pre-season later than everybody else. So he'd obviously missed, I think, about four weeks worth of bonding and he didn't think it, uh, Ian didn't think it would be fair to have him come, just walk straight back into the team, take a shirt and take a place, uh, when everybody else had put in all the hard work throughout the course of, the, of, of, of pre-season. Yeah, I think nobody really knows what's going on with that, but I guess it's quite telling to see that the club, after a couple of weeks of the, opening, of the new season, didn't want to talk about Joe anymore. And, and um, you know, a lot of people speculated it was Ian's decision, but you know, if Ian didn't get on with him, then why would he put in the programme on, on Saturday at Oxford? Congratulations to Joby and his wife for the birth of their child. So I think that's quite telling seeing that in the programme. Yeah. So I suggest it isn't Ian's problem. So what do you think the problem is? Upstairs, maybe. What what can sometimes happen in a situation if you if you've got I'm talking entirely hypothetically here, right? If you've got a player who you don't necessarily want to be on your wage bill anymore for various reasons, you try to engineer a situation where they want to leave the club. And the sometimes the easiest way to do that is to not have them playing football. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, the idea would have been, I would guess, to get him off the wage bill before the end of August, like it was with Darius Henderson, like it was with Shane Lowry, the big earners who the club couldn't sustain in League Two. Um, there were approaches, I think, uh, two championship clubs that I know of were, were very interested in him. Uh, I don't know if it's secret, probably doesn't really matter. Blackburn Rovers and Ipswich Town, what it's worth, I assume. I don't know if that's come out. Blackburn was reported. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. trained with Blackburn, yeah. definitely. And Ipswich wanted, you know, wanted to to see him as well, um, but for whatever reason, that neither of those moves came off, and I would guess that they were unable to negotiate a, a mutual ending to his contract, and so they're probably looking to do that again in January. You know, but yeah. it's a shame because he's obviously a talented player who's still got a lot to offer, 
and the club's making a decent fist of a promotion bid as it is. So to add somebody like him into the mix could be that difference. You know, when people talk about, is it a good point at Luton? Is it a good point against Oxford? Blah, blah, blah. You put someone like him in the equation, Absolutely. could be a different story. So one of the things Barry said at his uh, initial press conference when he announced uh, the takeover by um, Mr. Bichetti was that this guy's got deep pockets like you wouldn't believe, like, you know, he mm. can bring money to the club that I could never have done. Like, really, how much of an impact is JB McEnough's wage bill going to be on yeah, someone like him? But remember that you've got the salary cost management protocol in League Two, which in layman's terms basically means that you can only spend 50% of your revenue on player wages that's all the football league will allow you to spend so your revenue's dropped by 25-30% by dropping from league 1 to league 2 so the wage bill's got to drop by that sort of amount as well and it was already getting towards being unsustainable in league 1 with the players on, on high contracts so when the revenue drops and obviously I would imagine that the you know Mr Bichetti's disappointed with how last season went probably thought oh, I've wasted a few quid here I could do without doing that again next year so whilst it, yeah, he obviously has got deep pockets you know he's pretty astute as a businessman, as his yeah. other businesses yeah. prove. So I doubt if he just wants to keep pouring it down a hole. But you know, at some point, um, there would have to be a, a resolution on it because obviously you can't sit, have players earning that sort of money sitting there doing nothing. You know? I think it's, it's going to end with Joe believing in January. You would imagine so. That's you know, only a couple of months yeah. left, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. it's not as anything mean, that much money. That uh, you've got to assume that he's got a pretty decent agent who's been working yeah. away, telling everyone yeah. that look, he's out of favour. The manager's manager can't play him. Um, he's he's keeping fit. I can probably get him in to train with you in January. You know, he'll take this much money for six months, eighteen months, yeah. whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, and then finally, uh, from Alessandro and our next exclusive, um, <laughs> he told us he told us about the kit, which we uh, which we asked okay. that question. Uh, I'm happy to announce for first uh, time that uh, we are going to renew the contract with uh, with Nike in these weeks. We are speaking about uh, the, the new shirts and uh, the details of the the contract. But I think that. Uh, uh, is a good uh, relationship and uh, is a professional partner, absolutely. And uh, what is good is they support us um, the best possible way. When we need something, they are always available for help us in, uh, in any way. Yes, then uh, we, we want to renew and uh, we are going to do this. So that was Alessandro on the kit. So we will be signing with Nike um, from next season. So we think it'll be another three, four years probably for that deal. Um, so a good, a good deal for the club. And Alessandro sounded happy with that. But I guess yeah. it means you won't see the braces kit anytime soon unless they get the template for it, yeah. essentially. Which isn't in their repertoire, is it? So no, that's it's, not you, you need to have, for Nike, I think to have your own bespoke kit, you need to guarantee a minimum of 4,000 sales a year, 4,000 replica shirt sales a year, which we don't do. We've always been between 1,500 and 2,200 a year. Okay. So to get a, a bespoke kit, you would have to go with a brand like Sondico or somebody like, like a that. smaller brand. Yeah, a smaller yeah, yeah, brand yeah. who would, who would ha happily run off 1,000 or 1,500 shirts for you, which I Nike won't do. I'd be curious to know how well the braces would actually do. I actually think it probably would top. I think, I think it wouldn't go be, to four thousand. Do you not reckon? No chance. No. They have got a replica kit in there. Oh, the top the top one. The top one. Yeah. 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 I don't think you could ask yeah. the players to wear that on the set. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a bit heavy. <laughs> 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 
But it would be interesting to see how well that sells as to whether the kit would sell. Absolutely. That so will that sell about 50. Okay. It, the, the, this, honestly, the, the sales are not perhaps what you'd otherwise envisage, yeah, envisage yeah. that they are. We, we used to sell the, the Toff shirts. We've been selling them for 10, 15 years, and you do between 50 and 100 a year, maybe you know a little bit more if you have a good season. But replica shirts, pretty standard, about 2,000 a year. Wow. wow. So that was Alessandro interview. So that'll be available in full later this week with a few more exclusives. And yeah, great to meet him. Yeah, absolutely. So, Thursday the 22nd of October, Ian Hendon admits there is a small chance Paul McCallum could return before the end of the season. I'm sure, he goes on to say, I'm sure with the rehab he will get there. Hopefully he could return before the end of the season. That's a maybe and would be a bonus, but realistically we're looking for him to be back for pre-season. Yep, also on Thursday, the Late Annoyant Trust attend the careers event at Royal Docks School in Newham. So we're, again, honoured and privileged to have Howard Gould with us here tonight. Um, so Howard, do you want to tell us a bit about the Trust and kind of what the outline of the Trust is and what the aim is? Whew, that's a good question. Um... The trust, well, as I mentioned before, the trust is uh, really a separate uh, entity over the road. It's a charity in its own right. Um, the club really don't fund the, uh, the trust in any way. Um, but some some clubs do. Um, I think Spurs give quite a few quite a few bob every year to their trust and tick them over. But anything uh, that the trust have to do, they have to get from government grants and uh, you know. And, and, if you don't mind me interrupting on, just slightly, the go club on. gives a lot of in-kind support. To oh, in-kind, yeah. It maybe doesn't I mean, do a lot of money, but if you value, you know, the, value the amount of tickets and the amount of access oh, to the stadium I'm, and players, Matt, there's a value that, yeah. on that. I'll get there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Help me out. No, I mean like... Uh, uh, I mean, just nothing to do with me anymore, but yeah. That's good. He's still passionate. He really wants to be here. No, I mean, I've heard in the past, like, the Spurs just would drop a million quid yeah. over into the trust and say, there you go, that, that'll cover you for the year, you know. And uh, obviously, the Orin can't do things like that. But as Matt quite already says, um, in kind, you know, um, I mean, the, the job I do, as I say, the last four and a half seasons or whatever was, thanks to Matt, um, it, it was to try and get in and, and create this link because we realise that the community needs the club and the club needs the community, especially what's going on over the road and will be happening next season, etc., etc. So, and I, I'm pleased to say, over the last, uh, in that period of time, the last three or four years, the community has grown, uh, and it's just about getting getting people to know about the club and what we do, um, and engaging with the youth of, of local areas because that's going to be the the foundation of the club in the future. You know, if we don't try and grab some of these kids now. Uh, who's going to be supporting the club? If you look in the st in the stands, uh, there there may be a, a few more younger faces now. But I think that's possibly the work that we've done over the last three, four, five years. Uh, that there are a lot more younger faces in there coming with their dads because they're coming from the schools that we, we're working with. But if you'd have looked at maybe five or six years ago, um, the the age group of the of the of the, uh, the crowds were, were like middle aged and upwards and not getting any younger. Uh, and you can see with what was happening over the road, would would the would the club die physically, you know? So um, th that's where my role, because I've I worked for Orient for about 10 or 11 years, but in, in the development role on the community side, uh, going out into the estates and working with the kids uh, on the ground, uh, not in the club. And there was this little um, space for me to come in and uh, I needed a few more hours. And thankfully, uh, I know Adrian, the kit man here, I've known him for a, a lot of years. Um, and he said, go and have a chat with Matt and had a chat with Matt. And, then we worked with uh, Neil Taylor, the CEO, on that side because it, I'm actually employed by both, so it's, a, it's quite a unique role. Yeah. I think I'm the only guy in the in the football league that has this position of working for both 
club and trust. Um, and quite envious, other clubs are quite envious of that actually, as also I understand through the PFA and stuff. Um, so, that, so the main thing is to, to go out in the community with, uh, and, and let people know what we're doing. Um, and my role this year is to actually work, uh, try and get 100 primary schools on board uh, and go out and, and tell them, and as Matt says, uh, graciously the club have given you, you know, it's probably, it's, I think it's quite common knowledge that the club are giving 1,000 tickets per game this season to try and get out into the community. So that's why the East Stand is a little bit more full than it maybe good has to been. Good, yeah. um, but in the long run, you're looking at, I mean, when, when Barry did the uh, Sufto, you know, giving the free season tickets away, I mean, ultimately, you're looking at taking a percentage of those that will say, we'll get hooked and then pay for theirs in the future, which it has happened. Okay, we, we, I think initially we went for 2,000. I think about 1,500, 1,600 actually took that up at the time, a couple of years ago. Um, 1,600 didn't turn up for matches, I think it was only about a third of that would actually turn up, and then out of that you've got maybe ten or twenty percent have actually bought season tickets from then. So if you look at that, I mean, it's not—it it looks sounds like a small percentage, but if you if you start to to take that on into what we're yeah. doing now with a thousand kids trying to get a thousand kids in a game, and if you can get ten percent of that every season, you know, in ten years' time, you might have another thousand fans, mm -hmm. which is what we we've, we've got to do, and then go through that. So ultimately, that's what I do, and that's why maybe having really butted in talking about the players too much because I've got to try and keep good relationships with <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think initially when you started remember a couple of years ago uh, I think I might have tweeted to you and said because you, you asked me to get some guys to wear the badges and there was a couple of lads that was right. that you were uh, in, those, in the early days you were like critical of the lads actually yourselves and you, you were a bit too personal I think <laughs> and a couple of lads said I'm not, I, I, don't not, I don't like what they're saying about me you know, so we're we going back last season or season. Go on, go nice, on. Nice to know they were listening. They weren't <laughs> listening, but when you wanted any favours, they, they weren't going to do you a favour. I, yeah. I only thought it was one to my knowledge. I'll have to uh, ask you about it. I thought, I thought I, I, it was... And I thought it was justified, but... We'll, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, it's all about opinion, though, isn't it? It's oh, absolutely. Who yeah. was it? I'm not too sure it was us, though. Right. Uh, yeah, we think it might have been Ramble. Podcasts. Yeah, we yeah. thought it might have been the others, and they basically said, "Oh, one of the podcasts was yeah, yeah. was yeah. not very nice about us." I don't think it was us because we right. were quite constructive. I won't say much, just... but it might be the goalkeeper who might be out on loan in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say anything more than that. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, he, think, he said, "Oh no, they're, them podcasts they're not too kind to us or to me." But um, I, they weren't yeah. very nice. But actually, I don't think it I was Ramble. I think it was one of the others. But obviously, we got tarnished with the same brush because we're a podcast. So. Exactly. Yeah. We moved on from that. <laughs> yep. So current activity then, obviously you go out with the players. Yeah, right. so I've, I've probably got the best job in the world. You know, people say to me, oh, I envy your job, you know, or you're, I'm an Orange supporter as well. I've been here since uh, 1970, it was my first season, so I, I was lucky there. I think that's probably what hooked me, getting promoted that year. It's, uh, you know, uh, I've followed them ever since. So we're actually working with the players, I still still get that um, buzz of, of going to the training ground once a week and, and chatting to the lads and whatever and trying to make acquaintances with them. Um, so yeah, getting them out every week and uh, this week is, is quite important because it's, um, as you know, kick it out, uh, have an, uh, well they have um, a year of action now, they call it a season of action, but we, our week of action is this week. Uh, and it's um, coincidentally the same week that the SCORE building, which is where the Trust is based, it's their 10th anniversary, it's actually been open 10 years. So to celebrate that and to kick it out, we're having lots of events, free events for kids. So for example, on Wednesday uh, of this week, um, I think it's between 11 and 1, 
uh, free for seven, for, th uh, for five to eleven-year-olds uh, football sessions. So if the kids want to come across, uh, it's quite free. And then in the shop, we've got a couple of players coming in. I could say who they are, but if they let me let us down for some reason, it, you never know injury or sickness or something. So I mean, I could announce who they are if you want. Yeah, let's have yeah, another yeah, exclusive. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah. well, hopefully it's uh, Alex Chisak popping in with Fraser Shaw. Lovely. So they should be in, be in the shop uh, around two, between two and three on Wednesday. So if anyone wants to come in and chat with them, get the photos, something signed, and they're there to they're there to do that. So that's Wednesday um, the twenty eighth. That's it. That is Wednesday Lovely. come in. If they can't make it, then a couple, a couple of lads will always step in. You know, so it's no yeah. problem. So come along anyway. Um, then on Thursday, as I say, w w because it's the kick it out, uh, our week of action, our game will be the Accrington game. Um, so you'll see kids in their t-shirts, and we've had the banners out, and uh, the players will be warming up in the shirts. Um, and we're we're hosting a an interborough um, teenagers cup on the score pitch, three um, G pitch, and that would be called the Laurie Cunningham Cup in, mem in memory of Laurie Cunningham. As you know, uh, lots of trouble in his youth with the racism and how we fought against it, and the great story of Laurie Cunningham. Uh, and there is something, and I can't announce it at the moment, but there is something going to happen uh, between the club and the council. Um, in memory of Laurie, so uh, that's a bit more upcoming news for you in the future. Lovely. Hopefully, Brilliant. fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as I say, that's uh, that's coming up on Saturday. Will be our game, so uh, we get some community kids who maybe had trouble um, with either racism or, or anything like that these days. Because it's it's uh, it's not just racism to kick it out. It's it's across the board now. It's anything that's Negative. Uh, negatives, yeah. yeah. So um, we, we invite the kids who, who maybe have never maybe been to a game or just can't afford to come or have had trouble in the past and they experience the Orient as well and uh, invite their parents in and make it a day, make okay. a day meet Great the work. players, get a picture with the players and stuff like that, yeah. So um, that's other, this week. Do other clubs do as much as, as what we do? Uh, there's a little story about that. Matt, another reason Matt brought me in, I think, at the time was um, they have a league table. Uh, the PFA have a league table, so uh, every club uh, uh, must do stuff in the community. Um, and at the time, I think three, four years ago, it, out of the uh, 92 clubs, we were 91st. Yeah, it was embarrassing. We were like, yeah. nothing. We weren't, you know. Yeah, this was players' appearances going out, players doing stuff in the community. So it's all logged. You have to log it. You have to send in every week, every month. I have to say what players are doing, where they're going, etc., etc. I think uh, Rochdale were the bottom, and Lake Norrent was second from bottom. It was it was quite embarrassing when you actually saw this in this book. You know, I hadn't seen it before. And he said, look, you've got to do something about this, mate, see what you can do. Uh, and I would say, I mean, it's tough, obviously, some clubs at the time, Brighton, were posting. It was ridiculous. We had 94 appearances. And I thought, well, 94, that sounds quite a lot. You know, getting the players out 94 times in the season. Brighton had something like 1,100 well. or something. But they, it was a slight fit. They'd cheat. I yeah, mean, it was a slight if, cheat. If, going, if, yeah. if, a, if, a school, if a couple of school kids went into the dressing room to meet the players, yeah. that would They'd count as 40 it. appearances. Right, right. Because yeah. it was 20 40. players right. and two kids. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, hang on a minute. It's <laughs> yeah. not 40 appearances. <laughs> they have, to be fair, they, <laughs> they were doing yeah, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they weren't yeah, doing yeah, that yeah. more. Yeah, they have knocked down the head. There's classes on in one appearance. But then every club can get their 23 appearances a season because they just put a mascot down and it's going. But no, thankfully, we've climbed the table. We've done really well. We increased in the one season following, we went 100. 50% higher than the season before uh, and we're doing better and better as you know Elliot got nominated two seasons running yeah, yeah. for his work in the community he was brilliant Elliot yeah, travesty um, that he didn't yeah. win one of them it was yeah, yeah, I, was yeah, yeah I took yeah. that quite personally and the PFA know that um, <laughs> because the winner was sitting on their table so we won't go into that yeah. and things like that um, but um, it was still working hard you know uh, 
I've got a good relationship with with the PFA now. They they know that I do hard work, and um, it's good to have these relate. You need good relationships with, with these people. So. The, the good thing that Howard's done. Uh, sorry to interrupt there, Matt. I know you were going to come in. He's changed the culture in the squad because when he when he first came in, the attitude amongst the players was, "We don't really do this very often. We don't really want to do it. It's a total pain. We finish training. We want to go home." So you deal with that by getting the senior players on board, first of all, who are used to having done it at some of their other clubs. And then once that happens and new signings come in who see that it's just the done thing at the club, then they accept it from day one. And all of a sudden, you know, 18 months down the line or two years down the line when the whole squad's changed, the management are buying into it, all the players are buying into it, and it's just then that the whole culture of the club has changed and how it you know, has done that. And, and hopefully it's the same now as it was you know, a couple of years ago. When Just before you go in, you're right, but the problem is, the only problems I have now is because most of the squad has changed this season, I'm literally starting again. Yeah, right, start from yeah, scratch. Yeah. You know, even Ian, even with the management. Mm. You know, so that was my concern, as I said before. Nuge has been <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nuge yeah, is there yeah, and he's good, and yeah, yeah. he has. But uh, you think, well, are they? What are they going to change? Are they going to allow the players to go out? Even you know, do they want the players to go? Because I speak to my colleagues in in other clubs, and they envy me because they say, you've got such a good relationship. You know, we're not allowed players. We have to write a form. We give the form into this person, and they pass it on to that person. And they say, "Well, no, we can't have the player," and that's the end of the story. Uh, so, so I'm quite lucky here that I have good good management uh, on the playing side and the players that I've made relationships. So, as Matt says, you do need to get the seniors on your side. I mean, when you had Cuthbert and uh, and Clarkey and players like they were fantastic, and Lisby was was a gem, you know. Um, and they would take players on. Even going back, to Steve Dawson, he would always say, "If you, anyone's." playing up for you let me know and I'll go and deal with him and he would and I could rely on that and it's good you need an ally in, in the squad uh, and now obviously they're a much younger bunch uh, so I'm pleased I've still got like Matt Bowdry and Lloyd James who, who back me up a bit you know I might need their support but they're, they're still good they'll go out they're totally professional when they go out um, I've only had one I've had a couple of difficult guys um, Shane wasn't too happy doing stuff uh, and I'll, I'm Chorley won't mind. Ben Chorley uh, just had a bit of an attitude problem. I think he's coming from the Arsenal and winning his couple of trophies as he did as a youngster. He didn't well, he was very busy blaming all the other defenders. But he blamed all the other schools for not inviting him. He did feel he was only here to play football and not to do anything else. Oh, I wish he had done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he played football. You're right. I, I was just going to say that. <laughs> The way that Orion do in the community is, uh, as a fan, it's really visible to us, and it's something that makes me really proud to be an Orion fan. Um, the work that Errol does around prostate cancer in mm. UK and Errol's game and stuff—it it genuinely makes me yeah. as a fan really proud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't take all the credit for that. Obviously, I have to get it if it doesn't get out into the public. So you have to thank the media side. When Johnny, mm. when Johnny was here last mm. season. Uh, he was great at that, you know, whatever I asked him to do. Uh, and we, we got an intern in and she we made her go out and do the bits and pieces, which we've, luckily we've done now. We've got her from UEL, we've got another intern who's helping us out uh, and, and logging all this stuff, filming and getting the sound bites. And, uh, you know, I can write some stories, and but Colin has to get it out there. Colin Mumford has to get it out there. So it's no good us doing all this work and no yeah. one knows about yeah. it. You know? yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I'm glad that it is going out. No, it really is. Um, Especially brilliant. in the, the season that we um, almost got promoted. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just the football on the pitch. It mm. was the club as a whole. Oh, like, yeah, everything worked just out. just felt didn't it? really, yeah. really yeah. positive. And it's definitely a feather in Orient's cap. Yeah. So absolutely. Because yeah. yeah. the football isn't, is it? So got to be proud of something. Yeah, absolutely. Before we do the podcast, we see it every week. We all, every week it's pretty much this player, this player went here and here and done this work and you know, like we say every week it's never been 
uh, more important to do it with obviously yeah. what's going on, you know. And yeah, and they actually look happy, the players, you know, that they're actually mm-hmm. there because some of them be like, you know, solemn face and not really, look, you know, looking quite unenthusiastic about it. But yeah. actually, some, you know, they actually stand there and they actually look like they're. They're happy to be there, which is yeah. great well, to it's see. Part of the job is obviously making a rapport with the players. I have yeah. to go in and make make them feel comfortable and just you know, it, you know, and, and uh, say, look, this isn't just for me; it's for everybody. But I think they do enjoy it. Once they get out there, they enjoy it anyway. It's, yeah. it's all adulation, isn't it? And that's what they're in. They're in a, a business. They're in a, you know, they're there to they score a goal. They want people to cheer them. So yeah. when they meet the kids and they sign in autographs for half an hour, they're in their element. Yeah, it's what they signed up for really well, almost, isn't yeah, it? To be. Uh, and these days with Facebook and Twitter, you see you see every Saturday there's a bunch of kids who obviously wait outside, and then Saturday on the Orient Group you see Coxie, you know, <coughs> in about yeah. five fights with different kids, and Bulgy has quite a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah, but on the other see. side, of it, it's the supporters are, are most. You know, the club, as Matt mentioned before, if the, the job revolves really around those players. If they lose, then it affects everything. It affects mm. my job as well because yeah. then I think, oh, I've got to get these boys out on Thursday. They're not going to want to go. If you've lost three in a row, mm. the boys don't want to do it. And also, the management might say, "Sorry, we're doing double sessions," which was Liverani was murder last season. <laughs> Because he just changed everything. He went double sessions. Uh, you're not going out on the Thursday. We're travelling. They travelled everywhere. Mm-hmm. They, 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 tra- they went. They did an overnight stay for a Crawley game. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Colchester, most of the players had to travel further to get to the coach. Yeah. And they have to get to yeah. Colchester. <laughs> it was like, mate, you know, and you think it affected everything in the club. Thanks, Howard. No, it's really good to know. And, and, and obviously, yes, it is very visible, which is, you know, thanks to Colin great, and, yeah, and everybody yeah. else that, that publishes that. Yeah. And great, thanks for for telling us that. Yep, so Friday 25th of October, it was the 99th anniversary of the death of Clapton Orient inside forward Richard McFadden, so he was one of the 41 players, staff and supporters from the O's who joined up into the 17th Battalion Middlesex Regiment, which has to be more commonly known as the Footballers Battalion, and it's quite apt actually, we are we are sitting in the Supporters mm. Club, in the section, or the corner of the yeah. Supporters Club that is dedicated to to all of that, so... Commonly known as Some Corner. Some Corner, some we are corner. sat in. Yep, um, it's not really too busy to even get in the sports club when I come on the match today, so it's nice to be here. Uh, McFadden was killed during the Battle of the Somme in 1916 after being seriously wounded by a shell blast while leading a line of troops along the trench in the front line near the village of Serre in October 22nd. Sadly, he died the following day in a field hospital. Company Sergeant Major Richard McFadden was buried with full military honour in Queen British Cemetery on October 25th, 1916. His loss was a huge blow to all who knew him and followed the deaths of two of his Clapton Orient teammates, William Jonas and George Scott. Yeah, very solemn. But um, moving on then, um, Ian Hendon, ahead of the Morecambe match, said, Once again, we were pleased with the performance on Tuesday, but we know we need to start turning these draws into wins. We were behind again on Tuesday and we showed the battling qualities once more, but we shouldn't have to keep doing that. I feel we've been unlucky in a number of games and realistically I feel we should have had another four to six points than, than what we have at the moment. But we need to keep doing what we are doing and as long as we cut the mistakes out of our game then we should be okay. Every mistake at the moment is unfortunately costing us. We need to eradicate that from our, our game. And, and for me there's, there's quite a few valid points there and if we weren't creating uh, the chances we would seriously be asking questions about Ian Hendon and his suitability as a manager, um, but but you know I think what he's alluding to there is that we just have to be more ruthless in in both boxes, cut out the mistakes in one and score more in the other. Yeah, we seem to control matches fairly well actually. I would say it's just the defence have a prone to error, I guess at least yeah. once every match, which normally goes with a goal against us, and then the forwards obviously missing chances, missing chances or, or, I should score. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
So Saturday? Yeah, Saturday, 24 October. So started with the normal under-18s winning. So they, they beat Gillingham 1-0 with a Josh Caroma goal. And Paul, have you got any ideas of who you'd like on the podcast? <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you reckon, Andy? Yeah, you maybe Andy, Andy yeah. Edwards. Okay. <laughs> so it was Morecambe away. First trip for Leighton Orient to uh, Morecambe's Globe Arena, I think it's called. Um, so at Prof on Tour tweeted us, we don't normally do this, but, but we're going to put this one in. It said, uh, at Prof on Tour said, Get wise with Morecambe today, Orient, and bring me sunshine. See what he did there? I like it. Yeah, very clever. Yep. So the team was announced of Chizak, Klehesi, Baldry, Sam and Chickson, midfield of Payne, Pritchard, Moore, Palmer, Marquis and Simpson, and then on the bench, Granger, Dunn, Shaw, Moncur, James, Targa and Cashkit. So obviously there's a glaring error from the first team and the subs bench, and that is Mr Dean Cox. Yeah, wondering why he'd travel with the team and then not play. Yep. Uh, Apparently sat in the way and someone tweeted. He wasn't in the way. Yeah, he was sat right near me. Was he? Yep. Did, Did you, you get him much? any bovril or? <laughs> no. You should have no, got I to get him a bovril and a hot dog. This time. Oh. <laughs> no, he... Uh, Did he say was, much at all? Was he... He didn't say anything, no. He, as he walked past, waved, said hello and tried to sort of engage a conversation but he just sat down and yeah. left him to it. You know, at the end of the day, you could tell he wasn't really in the mood, so... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for me, it's mental not to have him on the bench, you know... No disrespect to Moncur, who I'm sure is going to have a good future, and I, I liked him when I've seen him. But Moncur is not going to get on on the yeah. pitch for me over Cox. Like, you know, even a fifty percent Cox for me is better than you know other subs that we've got. So for me, it's it's a bit mind baffling. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm abusive. I think it's insane. Um, what is he trying? Is he trying to make a point? Is he trying to throw his weight around? Is he trying to show that no player is bigger than the club? Has there been a spat? I don't know the answers to any of those, but I'm going to plough on and wildly speculate anyway. Um, <laughs> Start a rumour. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but, but seriously, like, um, Steve, you're right. Like, do we want to win this game of football or not? I'm happy if he thinks Cox isn't in form or isn't going to fit in the right formation and have him on the sub bench. But it's Moncurba's never going to come on. Like, you've yeah. got to have Cox on the bench. So I don't know what Hendon's trying to do. I don't know if he feels under pressure. You know, it's come a week after he's banned someone from the press conference. Is he feeling the pressure? Is he trying to make a point? I don't know. But it's a crazy decision. Yeah, very, very surprising. And I guess, you know, even though he might not fit into the diamond, he can always adapt the formation to kind of suit Cox if we were losing that game, for example, you know. It's clearly not a footballing decision, though, is it? Because Dean Cox, statistically, is the best uh, attacking midfielder in the lower divisions in the last four yep. years. The yep. assists and goals that he's created prove that. That's not, a, that's not a contentious point. So whether he's on top form or not, he's still an asset to any League Two sides. It's clearly not a footballing decision. And whilst I don't know what's going on, it's obvious that something has happened and yeah. Ian Hendon's asserting his authority as manager which he's entitled to do so yeah. you know Cox is quite an influential player in the dressing room um, you know he speaks his mind and he's entitled to do so he's, he's a good, senior. you know, senior player good professional etc but on, obviously on this occasion something has happened that has um, annoyed the manager and he's proving that he is the manager and yeah. you know he's in charge which you know Dean will, will have to live with as will any player because that's the name of the game yeah I just hope it doesn't have further repercussions and that it leads to Cox leaving. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think he'll leave. The way he speaks about the club and everything, he loves the club pretty much. Like everyone knows that and I honestly don't think he'll leave. It. It, I think it'll work itself out in the end. Yeah. 
Yeah, be interesting to see. I, I, I can't guess right. what happens on Saturday in terms of whether he returns to the squad. I think the fact that they won the game shows that it was, a, it was the decision has paid off. Yes. Whether it was the right decision yeah, or not, the decision absolutely. has paid off. So I would guess now Coxie's got to knuckle down in training and prove his worth a place in the team, which I'm sure it won't be particularly difficult for him to do. No. It's like Howard was saying, you know, they're in a game where they like adulation, you know, that's what they crave. And here, he gets that. He's hero worshipped here, isn't he? So. Like you say, I can't see him moving on because it wouldn't happen elsewhere straight away, would it? It's, it's everything with him, to be honest. He doesn't drive, does he? Everyone knows that. Mm. So he gets to train to Orient. He's been doing that for, what, six years, I think it is now. He's, he's just newly married. I think he just moved house as well. Yeah. So he's mm. so comfortable with Orient as a whole. I just can't see him leaving under any circumstances, really. It's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so those are our views. Your views at Giorgio Owen 77. So beginning of the season, Dino was very passionate about staying it would seem unlikely he wants to leave. And then we've got at Tazar Jr. No Cox, no idea what's happening behind the scenes though. Don't see the hype on Marquis. Are we going to rely on Simpson again? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and then Vince Howard, 73, said, With the size of our squad, Hendon has cut his nose to spite his face. Shows lack of man management. Yep, so the match so, kicked yeah. off. Yeah, um, what we could gather because neither of us were there. No. Bit of an uneventful 28 minutes. First it was sort of a half very, very cool <laughs> 28 minutes. It had um, nil-nil written all over it. It actually didn't did, it? yeah. Right. To be honest, had that after five minutes. We was all yeah. just talking in the press box saying, how is this going to be nil-nil? Because when you consider Morgan scored the most yeah. goals, like, you know, he scored the joint second most in the league. Everyone thought goals and it just mm. didn't happen. So it's always the way, isn't it? It was, uh, it was very dull. <laughs> <laughs> but then on the 29th minute, um, having watched um, Goals on 5 or whatever the Channel 5 coverage is, you could see the guy, the defenders tried to clear it and it's just smashed. Well, J- uh, Jack's gone sort of sliding in and it's caught him uh, and, and, and sort of rebounded into the back of the net from just on the edge of the edge of the penalty box and a bit of a fortuitous goal for us. Yeah, it was definitely lucky. Um, what I would say is I guess it shows sort of Payne's commitment really because although it seems obvious that you're going to charge down the ball, he could have just left it yeah. and then let the guy clear it. But he's, you know, he's chucked himself in there and... The bit of luck Orient have been asking for over the last couple of weeks has, has finally come and paid off in the end. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's good to get a lucky goal in effect. We've seen those go against us. And we, mm, no, those have really gone for us in the last couple yeah, of weeks. Absolutely. It's a bit of a ping pong goal, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we went one up and in the 38th minute, uh, Brad Pritchard, as uh, Channel 5 said. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Pritchard. He hit the bar with a, with a kind of cross-come shot. I didn't see their keeper. I'm unlucky not to go two up. Yes, uh, it was. And, and he... Yeah, it was definitely a cross-come shot. I don't know what he said. Did Bre- was he interviewed post? He post- wasn't, but it was definitely a cross. Yeah, 100%. oh, absolutely. Was, um, I can't think who played the ball out to him, but the ball was a little bit past him, so he was really stretching to try and get it back in the box. And yes, because he was played those, away towards yeah, the corner, wasn't it? Where yeah, he couldn't get enough on it. And it mm. just, he just, just pinged it in, and ball. it's just gone on. I yeah, thought, I thought the keeper tipped it, but he didn't. Um, no. I haven't seen it again. He hadn't, but I thought yeah. the keeper tipped it. Yeah. I said it was half time, 1-0. Nothing else really to note in the first half, really. Nothing really no. seemed to come through. No. Oh, I think um, I think there was one chance for somebody. I think, it might have been, I think it might have been Sammy Moore. I think he had a shot. I might be wrong with that. But somebody had, somebody had a shot for him. But obviously it wasn't that. So attendance was announced as 2,105 fans, which doesn't seem like a lot, um, with 398 Great, uh, travelling fans, so sort of twenty percent of the 
of did, the turnout. Did you see their crowd that, for their previous home game <laughs> in the midweek? I did. It was less than 1,100. Yeah. Was it really That's crazy? crazy. Yeah. It's unsustainable. It's yeah. completely unsustainable. Yeah. You know, I pity the people who have got to you know, pay the bills up there because they've got no chance. Yeah. Jim Bentley, their manager, had, had actually had a bit yeah. of a, a moment. We're doing yeah. really well here and no one's coming no one's to see us. Out. He was quite unfortunate, actually, because he's, he's asked all those fans to come and they've come and seen his mm. team not play very good. Not football. even score. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. People are probably going to think, well, they're not doing that well because they're playing like that, but yeah. it's just a bit unlucky, really, on Saturday. Yep, so second half kicked off and in the 50th minute, Pritchard ball in was headed back across goal by Palmer and Simpson just missed it and couldn't get the contact. In the 55th minute, uh, the old turn shot from Simpson that I saw, he was unlucky with that actually, he hit it quite well and scored a very similar goal against Newport earlier in the season. You can kind of see how kind of confident Simpson is because I wasn't seeing much of that last season, the old no. turn shot. So he was unlucky there. And in the 60th minute, um, Devitt from Morecambe twists and turns around 25 yards out before... He shot wide and fair to say he's probably Morecambe's most dangerous looking player. Yeah, he was pretty good actually on, on Saturday. He was, anything they'd done really in the second sense, he was involved in either crossing it into the box or being in the box to head it. So he looked pretty good actually. That was good. And then 63rd minute, good to see Lloyd James get a bit more game time, coming on a bit earlier than what he has done. And he came on for Marquis. And in the 75th minute, uh, great work by James, who got in the box and passed to Palmer. Who didn't realise the defender was there and was tackled. That, that did make me laugh a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so basically the ball... James went into the box, cut back, and he's passed it to Palmer, and he just sort of let the ball come across him when he really should have hit, hit first, first time. time. Yeah. And so he's let the ball come across, and then the defenders come in and cleared it, but he should have been aware there. That was a really good opportunity for right. him to score. It's kind of killed the game off. Mm. Yeah. And in eight second minute, Aaron Wildig has an effort from range, and a good save from Chizak, actually. He's done well to kind of get it yeah. wide. wide. Get yeah, because he could have played that. Sorry, could have played that back into the path of the oncoming striker, so yeah. Yeah, 87th minute. Yeah. Turgot came on for Jay Simpson. 88th minute. Chickson went into the book uh, after starting in on Beely. Uh, a bit of a silly challenge, I heard. And yeah, perhaps well, under a bit was, of pressure that we didn't really, really need to be under. Such a poor challenge. He could, if he stayed on his feet, you know, the guy probably would have run past him, but there was a, I think Pritchard was covering. not covering him. So he just. And he went to ground so easily. It was silly, silly thing to do. And then in the 90th minute, Chizak makes a great save after pulling off a smashing stop to tip Goddard's shot behind. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Then four minutes into injury time, uh, sorry, four minutes of injury time are added. In the 93rd minute, Ellison turns six yards out, but Chishak gets down to smother the effort, and the full time whistle goes, and Orient went on the road. Keep the first clean sheet since August. Um, very, very happy, I think, all round with that. You know, like we said earlier, we we seem to get more feedback when we lose or when something's not gone so well than we do when we, when we actually win. But. Um, uh, Dulcet Dave has been quite a supporter of ours and, and he sent us a message as well, didn't he? Yep, and here it is. Hi, this is Dave Victor, a.k.a. Dulcet Dave. Congratulations to Paul and Steve on your 50th edition of the Orient Outlook podcast. I've enjoyed every episode. I'm looking forward to hearing the next 50. Keep up the good work. So that was from Dave. and Obviously, Dave interviews the manager straight after the game. And Paul yeah, he said, said. Uh, Ian Hendon said it was a good, solid defensive performance. Uh, regarding the goal, it's about time we had a bit of luck. Uh, he left Lloyd out uh, the side and Lloyd hasn't moaned once. So that's a quote from Ian there, saying mm. that Lloyd left out and hasn't moaned once. For me, that's a bit of a dig at Dino, a subliminal dig at Dino. Maybe I've got that wrong, but for me, that's a bit... Yeah, I don't think you need to have gone to detective school for five years <laughs> to, <laughs> to work out that one. I was there for six, actually, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Ian... I think, right? Yeah, no, it, it definitely was, because we asked Ian if... 
if he expects a response from Dean in training, and he said he does, uh, I think he obviously feels Dean isn't training as well as he could have done. Right. But then the thing is, after Luton, he said he had he responded really well. So it's obviously the, the small period after the Luton game where he obviously feels he hasn't trained well enough. Yeah, but he went on, went on to say, actually, Ian on Dean said, I look at everybody, how they train, it was my decision to make, and it was obviously the right decision. You don't agree? Or oh, you think that's ridiculous? Well, it's a bit of a strange thing to say because had they lost, then what would he say? You know, when he came up and said that was the wrong decision, it's easy to say that after you win a game. But had he had we lost, it might be very different, yeah. and he might be uh, under a bit more pressure. But as it was, we won. Yeah. So, Great. and then George, points. you tweeted that Ian said, "I look at everybody in the way they train all week, and it's my decision uh, that I figured today wasn't a day for Dean." So that is as far as it is. I left him out. We'll go back to training next week and see how we go. I'd like to think I would get a response from Dean in training. Me and Dean had a chat, and I have no issues with him. That's it. It's as simple as that. So yeah, I guess people will know more on Saturday when they. If Dean's not involved again on Saturday for a home game against Accrington, then yeah, then so obviously bigger's gone on. You'd hope they can resolve whether has happened in the week, but if um, if he's not involved on Saturday, then that's a, that's a big issue. Matt, he had one or two spats with Russell mm. Slade, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I used to do it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Russ, I mean, Russ's nickname was Coxie's dad. You know, the players <laughs> used to say he's like your dad. Right. You know, you know, and because Russ's man management of him was absolutely bang on. And he knew when we signed him, he said, "Look, he's a, you know, tempestuous little whatever, and he could cause a lot of trouble. But when he plays properly, he's the best winger in the division, and and he is." Um, but he does take a little bit of management, Coxie, because he can get annoyed at stuff. Um, but it's just about managing it the right way and uh, and then re- returning him to back where he should be and getting the best out of him. And I don't think... I'm trying to remember a time when Russ dropped him. And I, I'm really struggling. He might have rested him for the odd Johnson's paint game or something like that, but he never actually really dropped him. But that doesn't mean that he didn't still get aggy, you know, yeah. sometimes during training. It just meant that it was dealt with there and then yeah. and, and, and moved on, you know. And obviously... Um, maybe this this incident may have happened on Friday. Could have happened on Saturday morning. You know, it might not have been time for it to have been dealt with and moved on. You know, but as George says, there has been now. So the, the interesting thing is, will it will he be back in the lineup for the Accrington game, or will he keep faith with with a winning team, which again he's entitled to do. So yeah. you'd, you'd expect to see him back on the bench yeah. at, at the very least. I wouldn't. You'd imagine so. You'd imagine so. So league position meant that we had played fifteen. We've won seven, drawn five, and lost three. Uh, we've got 26 points, so we're sixth in the league. But it's all very tight at the top. There's only a few points in it uh, yep. between us and Plymouth at the top. Yep, so congrats to Apple Oriental, who was the only person to guess the correct one off scoreline and moves into joint first place in our prediction league. Yeah, so well, done. well done for that. So a much-needed win against a good team. I think that gets some of the fans of Hendon's back at least uh, for the week. Uh, does the team confidence the world are good when you keep a clean sheet and win? I uh, hope there aren't any issues in the camp. Um, Ian Hendon and the team have worked hard to change the mentality at the club following last season's debacle. Uh, can't begin to fairly guess what's really gone on with Dean Cox. He's a pro uh, who could have left like Vince alone, but he hasn't. Um, he's human, so his form dips, and Ian, Ian Hendon is right to bring in uh, someone else. Uh, everyone wants to play, so you have to, to really, really fight for your place in the team. So it's good that he's picking on form again. Uh, Lloyd James the same. He's not moaned once. He'll take his chance when it comes along. And I think Lloyd played his way out the team with some sort of... I think he'd probably agree. Some He could do better. Uh, and I think it made it easier for Ian to bring to bring Jack in. And, and Jack's, Jack got dropped as well. So, again, no, no one's too big to be dropped, which is... Kind of cool. There's nothing wrong with competition for places, Correct. is there? You know? Absolutely. A successful, a successful squad will have people pushing each other. 
Absolutely. For yep. me, yeah, a good win. A fortunate goal on a clean sheet. Uh, I'm not sure about Palmer and Marquis, actually. I think we should be giving Kashkit a bit more game time after his goal. <laughs> I think I think he's eager and he's young. He's got no fear. Chizak made some great saves again. Great to see Payne get his first Orient goal. Uh, but unfortunately, though, all the focus will be on Cox and Hendon. I think for the wrong reasons all week. And, you know, I presume Hendon will get asked about it in the build-up to the game. Whether he answers it or whether we find out a bit more about what happened, we'll see, but it's probably doubtful. You know, I think Palmer plays better when he comes on, a bit like a sort of super sub, really. Yeah. You know, a bit like how um, Jonathan Tahuay used to be, really. Yeah. You know, I think he's, when he starts, his game isn't the same. <coughs> Absolutely, but a good win. So those quite, are. Quite, quite perplexingly, because he seems to, when he comes on at half time, uh, or later in the game, he wins every single header, yeah. and, and then when he starts, he won, he wins none. Yeah, yeah. quite Impact. confusing. Yeah, yeah. he didn't do bad on on Saturday, to be honest. So it'd be interesting to see how he does this weekend. Maybe if maybe he hasn't really been fully fit. That's Mark, yeah. that's probably the issue. I, I'd imagine. So maybe his fitness is improving a little bit because he wasn't bad again on Tuesday night at Luton. So I think the last two games is played a little bit more like he does off the bench. So It's going to be a confidence issue, isn't it? I mean, he's come in having yeah. been paid a fee for, you know, so yeah. fair play. And uh, he's got the number nine shirt um, and he's scored goals, you know, in previous yeah. seasons, etc. But coming and been a little bit overshadowed first by perhaps McCullum in pre-season and then by Simpson once the season started. So I think for Ollie, it's going to be important for him to, you know, get on a little bit of a run. Just He's not at the stage, you know, I remember... Years ago, someone like Eisden Christie, I think we just wanted him to get one in off his, you know, off his backside. backside yeah. Just and, yeah. he, and he almost did, you know, in that game away at Chester, or whenever. But you, with with Ollie, within the next few games, you're going to want to see him just nudge one over the line somehow, yeah. just to give him that bit of impetus, especially yeah. with with Simpson out and Marquise only on loan and, and Cashgate only young, for him to then step up yeah. and be sort of senior striker alongside Simpson. His goal against Stevenage was a good goal. Yeah, it was. yeah. Mm. It was. So, yeah. If you actually look at his highlights reel from his time at Grimsby last year, a lot of his goals are like that. Harry and defenders, they make a mistake and then he punishes them. So you know, hopefully that will happen in the coming weeks. Yeah, he's got a great opportunity now, obviously, with McCallum injured. And, you know, he's got a real kind of real chance, good chance to get chance, in there yeah, start. So absolutely. those are our views. So your views. Yeah, then we've got some, some tweets that came in were um, from at Chris underscore Holmes 24. They said, one, brilliant performance. Morecambe score three to four goals every game and getting a clean sheet at their place is very difficult. And secondly, great solidity and game management after the goal. Hendon and the players deserve massive credit. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, at Les underscore Bristow said, a key performance for Leighton Orient. A win away in a clean sheet. Uh, ugly but a full three points. Dropping Cox vindicated. Then we've got at Taser Junior. It's a results business. Take a win no matter how it comes. Clean sheet very good against this attacking Morecambe side. And then at Leighton Orient said, impressive result. That's how you get promotion from this god-awful division. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe a bit harsh there. <laughs> um, at Matty, LOFC Evans said, good win, but we need to build upon the victory and get more clean sheets. At Ben OLFC, we dug in and took all three points. Payne and Moore was superb. Two points off second. Orient fans need to remember uh, that, as well as how dire last season was. It wasn't always pretty, but certainly done enough to win. 
made them look average, but some sloppy mistakes could have cost us again. We weren't superb, but we were in control. Baldry's decision making scares the bejesus out of me sometimes. <laughs> How did you get all that into a tweet? Oh, so I was thinking, that's <laughs> that, that, that was my open tweet. He broke Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he broke Twitter. <laughs> At Bradley Ackers95, looks like the suit is unlucky for Hendon. Keep the track suit. Great three points today. Need to keep the momentum going now. And at Dave Rickard 80, winning was all that mattered and not about performance. Hopefully we can build on this and start to cut out mistakes. Yeah, at David Barrett, 15, says 15 games in and two points off second place, plus Dino to come back to form soon, and I'll take that all day long. And then we've got at John Macker, 1977, losing confidence in Hendon rapidly. What's going on with Dino? I get the impression he's lost parts of the dressing room. You can't drop your best player out of the squad. He had no intention of playing Monker, so why not have him on the bench? Yep, interesting tweet. And thank you for all the tweets we get. Keep them coming to at Orient Outlook. Yeah, absolutely. Positives and negatives of the yep. week uh, as we draw this uh, episode towards its conclusion. So, positives. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, drawing a win against strong teams, four points from six. Simpsons form and our first clean sheet since August. Yeah, three good positives. They're strong positives. Yeah, very good, very good. There could have been yeah. more actually on that. Um, yeah. Negatives. There's only one this week. It's got to be Dean Cox. Uh, something's not right there. Surely for us, you'd have to accommodate him into yeah. your squad. If not, the starting lineup and surely onto the bench. But we'll see you next week. Yeah, absolutely. So hero of the week. Um, got know, we've week. got different opinions yeah. this week. Hendon for being brave enough to drop Cox and get the win with a clean sheet. Don't know if that necessarily warrants it in the strongest terms, but not for me, mate. For me, all day <laughs> took a risk and it paid off. For me, all day long, Jack Payne dropped against Oxford, comes back, came on at half time last week, ran the show, starts against Luton, gets his first goal yesterday. Whole world of pain for Markham. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. See what I did there. You can use him for some of your blood. <laughs> we'll end him out. Um, hide by the hour. Um, so there's only one fixture next week, and that's at home to Accrington Stanley on Saturday. Accrington are having a pretty decent season and are seventh in the league. Just one place and one point below us. They beat Dagenham and Redbridge, who are having a terrible season, aren't they? Shocking. What I a mean, pity. Right, there you go. Um, so they, they, they beat Reb- Dagenham and Redbridge at home yesterday. Um, so that's it yeah that's it episode 50 is over so thanks to all our special guests this week thanks to George Sessions thanks to Matt Simpson thanks to Matt Porter Howard Gold and thanks to Kevin for having us um, yeah so the O's played two difficult away matches this week and took four points from six and a clean sheet despite arguably dropping our most creative and high profile player six in the league on only one fixture this week which to us looks more than winnable so we need to keep on winning and get ourselves towards the automatic places and get ourselves out of the reach teams around us so later this week the Alessandro Interview will be available in full, so make sure you give that a listen as it will be a real, real eye-opener and is a must-listen for all Orient fans with plenty of exclusives still to come. So as always, we'll be back next week with episode 51 with all the information and views that you could ever need. Thanks for listening to the first 50 episodes and here's to the next 50. And as always, keep calm and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>